far are you going? About 30 years. In this week's episode, it's our review of Hunter Hunter and extended closing remarks. first time I've actually like hooked up my headset and my computer like in a month okay yeah it's been a, a couple months I think since we recorded or one and a half or something like that yeah since E3 basically yeah no like July I've just been having a lot going on yeah I'm thinking about like what movies I've seen recently um, you didn't see Toy Story 4 right no not yet Okay, and you didn't see Dark Phoenix? No, not yet. Okay, then I guess we'll just do, like, maybe we can cover some news or something like that. Yeah, I figure this will just be a closing remarks and just us BSing around, because, like, there's a lot of things I want to talk about regarding, like, uh, off-memory. I can talk about more about that kick-vic disposition thing that he did. Okay, yeah, Um, that's interesting, because we have this person that's been... um, messaging us on Twitter and they're they're using like one of our old podcasts as evidence against Vic or, and they have like pictures yeah, of Vic. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that. How I got kicked off the CN Reborn Discord. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, we have to talk about that idiot Icebox. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, I guess I can talk about why I didn't get accepted on the Evangelion zine, like Rebirth Dilemma or whatever it is. I, I think that's just those people are just a total amount of spurgs, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, That'll be a common theme on this episode is just the Sparks. Yeah, there's... I guess we'll talk about what happened this weekend in terms of uh, gun control and how it didn't work again. R- right, it seems like every time we have to record like a closing remarks segment, there's some sort of incident involving some new, some new incident of people being shot or a new gun control issue. Or, yeah. yeah. Um... Oh shoot, Roger Howard died recently. So yeah, I want to give a RIP out. out to him too. 
we found that out because Tim Box was of all people was tweeting about it. I didn't hear much about it in the news. I didn't even yeah, I didn't even know. Like they, it's like he died, and then like a few days later, they actually like press released it, and he was just like just being chill, like in the Netherlands, in his home country. Like I had no idea. Do you know how old he was? Um, I'm eating a salad right now, so okay, I'm yeah, I hear that. <laughs> No, I'm. I've been applying to like a ton of jobs. Just... You can you can eat and chew at the same time, but Daft can't uh, record if he's been to New York a week ago or something. Who freaking knows? It's always his idea. Like, hey, we should get on and talk about stuff. And and then he doesn't get on. As yeah. if this is like some big ordeal to. Yeah. To talk on the on the chat. I mean, when we're gonna learn our lesson, not to listen to anything he says. Okay, hold on. Rut Gur Yeah. Um he was telling me on Google. Seventy five. Okay, yeah, I thought it was something like that. Yeah. I still need to see Blind Fury, like he's like a, a blind swordsman. And he fights crime for some reason. I have like a, a copy of that movie on my computer and I have just not seen it yet. Of course, how can you forget him being Count Dracula in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> that, yeah, that movie is... That is not a good oh, the movie. the movie version. I've seen the movie, that's right. Uh, I was thinking of the show, which I've not seen much of. Oh, no, I, I will not watch that. I, I can't get into that show. Like People are fanatical about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But that, like, that's right. something like if you didn't get into it in the '90s, you would have never cared about it by now. Right. I, I remember like in comic book shops in like 1999, like, kind of people would always be talking about that show, and they would mm-hmm. be saying, "Oh, it's the greatest thing ever." And but I was like too young to be watching it at that point, and I never really got into it. And so I've only seen the movie. There's um. Which the movie is not great. <laughs> no. Oh, it's also the fact it was in Hobo with a Shotgun. It's like, I think his best, recently best movie that he's made. That man was born to play a hobo with a shotgun. I'll tell you that. That movie's fantastic. Oh, isn't that like the, there was this trailer for it before Grindhouse and that became a whole movie. So, okay, so the story behind that is, so they did, yeah, when they did the Grindhouse film, like in, what, 2006 or something, uh, yeah. the, Rodriguez is, um, Planet Terror and Tarantino's Death Proof movie. They had all these like fake trailers they made. Uh, one and two of those have actually been made into a movie. You got uh, Hobo with a Shotgun and Machete. I've seen both the Machete movies. I don't know if we're going to get a third one or not. Um, so, anyways, so yeah, Hobo with a Shotgun was another guy that they had as a hobo with the shotgun. And supposed the story behind him was that he was. He was undergoing some, like, he was in a psych ward, apparently. Like, he went insane. Like, he was schizophrenic or whatever. And he had a bunch of um, mental issues. And then they, um, basically, like, Rutgerd Howard, I think he's the one who volunteered for this role and, like, took a, like, a tremendous pay cut. Because I think part, a good portion of the movie's budget was just to pay for him. But So there was a different actor in the trailer for it, but then yes. in the full movie it was him. Yes. And the actual movie that they made, like, years later, it was finally him. Like, I think okay. five or six years later or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, if you... Yeah, please support Hobo with a shotgun. 
any chance you can get. Um, I found my copy used at a second-hand pawn shop for like three bucks or something, like not too long after it came out. And I was like, yeah, this is totally worth, this is more, worth more than $3, but I can't complain that it's three bucks. <laughs> so that's how yeah, I have my I copy. Think, I don't think too much of that money went to Rector Howard. <laughs> Mm-mm. Oh, shoot, what is it? Um, I didn't know about this until recently, but they made an FP2, or the FP. Uh, but they made a second movie, because the first one, I have it on... What is FP? The what? What is FP? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, let me explain this. So, the FP2 is, like, a sequel to the first one that came out, like, in 2011 or 2012. And, like, the people that made that is these two brothers. And they, apparently, like, they got the movie made, but none of those royalties ever came back to them. They never saw a cent of that. Even though it was, it did come out on DVD eventually. And I remember picking up the DVD for it, like, at a blockbuster that was shutting down. So, then they finally got the funding to make FP2. Now, the FP... Um, it's basically, it's basically like a, um, a 90s action film, but it's centered around Dance Dance Revolution. They call it, uh, <laughs> hold on, let me just, yeah, so this, yeah, it's by the Trost Brothers. Um, it was distributed by Draft House, so that's probably the DVD I got. So yeah, it was, it was released in the United States like early 2012. Okay. Uh, it, it had a very limited release at the box office. <clears throat> yeah, this budget was like $45,000, and I wish it went out. It would have done a whole lot better if it went out to the theaters. Well, that's pretty low. Yeah, so that's why it was definitely selected. Um, ah, shoot. But any, yeah, anyways, these guys... Um, <laughs> let's see, there's an, uh, a quote here. So he, they had... Ren Tarrant, I mean, um, what's his name? I was thinking of these shootings, <laughs> so that name popped in my head. But uh, they had Rucker Howard in the uh, in FP two or what? Was no, no, Rucker Howard never had any. No, he never got anything in the FP. Um, the thing with the FP is the fact the only kind of main actor that got into it is this guy named Arts Hasu, or and he's like known as a guy that was like a side character in one of the Crank movies with Jason Statham. I think he might be the, like the only like known actor, even though he's like a second act, like a secondhand actor in like one of those movies. But there's a quote here on Wikipedia where it was like, "We were playing Dance Dance Revolution and Def Jam Fight for New York. Jeff Jam's vernacular just kind of worked its way into Dance Dance, and I was like, what if we mix these two worlds? So that's kind of like the sort of this like groundbreaking, like the fruit and the seed of the creation of the FP." And the FP is an abbreviation for Fraser Park, California, which is where they both grew up. Um, so yeah, it's it's an amazing movie. It's just a fun movie to watch. But like, I bought the second one. The second one is only available on Vimeo. It's digital right now. I don't when they, I don't know when they're gonna get um, like an actual physical copy. But you can buy it off Vimeo and download it, and download all the extras and stuff. Um, or you can just watch it on the Vimeo website, but it oh. is. I've only seen. I've only seen like a couple minutes of it so far. I haven't gotten to. Uh, I haven't gotten through the rest of it. Uh, but it's basically kind of like this one. is like for sure like Mad Max meets like Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> like there's a guy that's like the king of like. Uh, oh shoot! Beat Beat Revolution. Revelation is the game, and um, 
there's some like main bad guy his name is if AK47 <laughs> so I have to I have to go through like all of this like there's a there's a commentary video for this there's deleted scenes and um, it, it just looks fantastic so that is the FP um, at least the second movie it was just called Beats of Rage but anyways there's there's also that to look forward to. And it's got a killer soundtrack, too. Uh, shoot. You know, I'm going to get me some cereal. I guess you can talk about something for a minute. I'm just going to grab me a bowl of cereal and eat it, because this salad did not fill me up. Okay. Uh, whatever topic... What topics did you have in hand? Oh, I guess we can talk, We can rant about the democratic debates and how uh, they're a fun thing to watch on TV. <laughs> have, you, have you seen all of them, or...? Well, I only saw the one at the end of June, and then they did one recently that I didn't see that I saw you, like, doing commentary on. Okay, and... yeah. I, I probably commented on it enough that you got the gist of it. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that on here, too. So are you about to go get some food, and then... Yeah, I'm just going to grab, like, a basically a box of cereal in a bowl and, okay. and a spoon, and I'll come back. So give me a couple minutes. You can just mention something, or I don't know. Okay, I'll just leave some dead air for you to cut out. Alright, that's cool. Or you can sing, that's what I usually do. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh... Alright, I'm back. Okay. Um, so what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> oh wait, actually we need to do introductions. <laughs> so for anyone that is this is their first episode, I am so sorry because we have nothing prepared. Mm. Crunch on my cereal. So welcome to the Anime of Yesteryear podcast. If you're looking for a more structured podcast for this episode, you're not going to find it here. Uh, but next episode, maybe. Um, I am one of your hosts, Dustin, and with me is my co-host, John. Uh, yes, we were just introducing ourselves after 10 for 15 minutes or something. And after five minutes of dead air, I'm yeah. totally prepared for this, so. Well, go on, So, I, I guess we should do, like, a little bit of discussion of anime on here, since it is, like, an anime podcast. Well, I mean, I was going to talk about Vic, that's kind of anime-related. But... Right, well, I was just going to mention that, like, Hunter x Hunter uh, has finished Dungeonami. Oh, shoot, yeah, we could talk about that, I forgot. Yeah, and I wanted to give Kelly an overview of that, because, uh... You know, I've, I've been, uh, I've known with Hunter x Hunter for a long time, and uh, I think that I first read the manga on um, Toriyama website in, like, the early 2000s, uh, and uh, I, I don't think I made it past the Hunter exam arc um, ever. I, I, I did try to read it again in, the, like, the mid to late 2000s when Viz picked mm-hmm. it up, and and I think both times I kind of just read through the the Hunter exam arc because I don't really remember any of the other arcs from what I saw on Tsunami. They were, they seemed new to me. Um, so it's like when I when I first saw it, I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was the, uh, the once they finally uh, get to a sort of like mini tournament where they're I think they're underground or something and um, they have to fight three or four guys and one of them is from the Phantom Troop and. Um, <clears throat> I remember uh, there's a scene where Kiloa tears out a guy's heart and crushes it. I, I remember reading that in the early 2000s, thinking that was pretty uh, like extreme and mm-hmm. uh, violent and everything. And I guess for like a Shonen Jump series at the time, 
you could do that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, but but then uh, a lot of that arc when I was watching it on Tsunami, it really felt a lot like the Naruto Forest of Death arc, uh, where it, it takes too long and there's a lot of like uh, you know going in the the forest and he's like training with his fishing rod and stuff. Then it. You know, the, the show in general, I felt like there were a lot of a lot of things that really went on for too long. Because la- later on, you get uh, after that arc, you have the the arc where they're learning about Nen and Zen and Ren and all these different, uh, slightly different uh, terms that involve these different powers that they can use. And they had this Asian master that uh, I think called Wong or something like that. It looks like an Asian nerd, essentially. And uh, he, he would go on and on about all these different powers they could use and all the conditions of it. And I think a lot of people like that about Hunter x Hunter, that it like goes really hard down on the world building. But uh, I feel like they almost did too much of that kind of stuff with, uh, with it basically just being like an action showing series. You need a like show-not-tell kind of... Uh, you know, as, as like a rule of, of that kind of genre, like these series are really mainly about battles and that sort of thing. So I, I, when the narrator would just go on and on, especially in Chimera Ant. That was um, terrible. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess the video game arc was probably the one that I thought was the least, uh, least bad in terms of this kind of stuff and that they kind of went in there and then, well, I guess they, there was a lot of stuff of them like explaining like, Here's how the rules of these different cards that they have to trade work, and a, a, a lot of the stuff really didn't make sense. Um, especially some of these needlessly complex powers that they have. Like, there's some guy whose power involves interest payments. He, I think it's yeah. called APR. Yeah, he has like this little spirit with a cash register, and the and he would just be like, "Now your interest payments have just increased to fifteen percent," and it. it and it's like, okay, what? How did? How is this like a battle? You have accrued like... interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it just so much of what happened in Camara just didn't even make sense to me because they, they would show like somebody is standing around in the hallway and somebody else is running by and then suddenly someone will freeze and they'll be like, at that moment he realized that the great power was all around him. <laughs> And he would just go on and on and on. And I mean, I think probably this was the best way to watch Hunter Hunter. And that, like, I didn't ever feel like a need to drop it or anything because I, I was just like, okay, it's on Tsunami. I'll just watch it with the rest of the block. And, um, and I don't have to deal with like, oh, there's a one year gap between chapters or whatever. Like, if I had been following them, yeah, I, I guess out. this one is Ill- his. Um... The, the authors endless started because they had to delay those episodes as long as possible. So then he had like you know the narrator that had the most voice acting work than an entire series in the Chimera Ant arc. You know, and in that moment, as Kilo was coming around that corner, and the other moment, one of the other Chimera Ant people was taking the biggest dump of his life. The strain <laughs> on his asshole was too great to reach out of his of the ants. Sphincter or sphincter, I don't know. Whatever. That it hurt like hell. And then and in that moment, 
on the other side of the Kong Pound, the king was playing Shogi. <laughs> and in yeah. that moment, <laughs> that was, tune in next time for Hunter Hunter. <laughs> Remedy. Yeah, they, they kept showing the, the ant king uh, playing with this girl with the stuffed up nose. God. And uh, eventually he, he just attracts uh, radiation poisoning and dies while playing it with her. And of all the episodes, they they selected that one to rerun after the series had ended, when they were like trying to kill time because they're having issues with licensing, yeah, new shows. And I, I just could not watch that episode again. I know people are probably like sobbing when they watched it or whatever, uh, but not me. I was just bored. <laughs> they kept doing. Can can you hear me now, Aunt? And then, yes. We'll just play. A little bit longer. <laughs> okay. Komugi. What's the next move? Oh my god. But uh, <laughs> and then after that, after that, you have this this arc where they have like they have an election, and uh, you know, I just don't think an election is something you should be having in a Shonen Jump series. Because you know, none of this crap. You... This is written by the guy who did Yu Yu Hakusho. This is written by the guy who did you, you, everyone punches each other and yells and screams and they have, a, they have an actual tournament arc where people actually fight. There was no video game thing. They went places and got it done within about 10 episodes and that was the end of that arc. Stuff happened. So what in the world happened to this author that he had to draw out in Hunter Hunter? Yeah, I mean, like when you're watching the Hawker show, it's like, you know, if you talk to somebody who likes Dragon Ball Z or something... And they're like a normal person who who only likes Dragon Ball Z. Like for instance, so like only Z. normal people like Dragon Ball Z is what you're saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is I, I, I don't know if I can take it that far, but uh, it's go the ahead. Most normie friendly anime that like normie. Okay, yes, people have seen. Yes, like because it was on Toonami for so long and it was Still so is. popular. Yeah, and yeah, and so like people in my high school, or whatever, like if they. If they were going to talk about one other anime, they would probably talk about Yu Yu Hakusho, and they'd say like, "Oh yeah, that's a real man's anime. It's real badass. There's guys with muscles beating the shit out of each other. There's Taguro and yeah. Yusuke. Taguro was a beast. And all these, you know, Hiei and Kurama, and all these characters are like really powerful. And you've got this uh, kind of like badass music playing, don 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 don. I actually like that song a lot because it just echoes yes. in my head. Yes, I love it. And uh, <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, like that is a real like man's anime. Like Yusuke and Kubara, they're like these like juvenile delinquents that are like constantly getting into fights at school and everything. And then they have these hairdos like these Japanese punks from the eighties. It's and, called a pompadour. <laughs> Right. And they're still in style in Japan. And don't tell right. them otherwise, because they will beat the crap out of you, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, basically, that to go from that, and then you have Hunter Hunter, where the, the protagonists are, like, quasi-homosexual. Like, I, I mean, it's not explicit or anything, but, I mean, going in Kilawa, like, there's... <laughs> I can see why people ship that. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Like, when they're staying at Gon's house, and it's just like, 
especially when I was watching the movies, like, Gon has some girl that he meets, and Kilua seems, like, extremely jealous, like, Gon's attention is with someone else. And then uh, once he finds out that the girl is a girl, it's like, it's like in a lot of anime, you'll have, like, the girl's hair, and it's, like, up in a hat or something. And then, like, they'll get knocked over, and, like, the guy will, like, feel her boob or something. And then the the hair will fall out of the hat, and they're like, what? You're a, you're a girl! <laughs> <laughs> and then the girl will be like, I'm sorry I didn't tell you, but... And then there'll be some tragic story about how she had to become self-reliant because her parents died or something. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of anime. <laughs> but, uh, but basically, like, after that, after, like, Kilo finds out she's a girl, he's like, he like sighs like a sigh of relief, like oh good, like, Gon's not gonna care now. <laughs> well, Gon's such but, a ladies' man. So you had that one chick that was like you know batshit crazy, that was like that like the guy that had the glasses that he also went crazy during uh-huh. the Chimera Ant arc because uh, he was just freaked out because of how powerful they were. But he's like taking her out on dates and stuff, and then she becomes like incredibly attached to him. I think it was called Palm or Palm. Palm, or yeah, and yeah. Yeah, she, but, uh, she was looked like real creepy, and then they like prettied her up when she was like trying to get with Gon. Yeah, and and then Kilo was like jealous, but then he got sidetracked because he was like getting over like why he runs away in combat and uh, something about taking some sort of needle out of his skull, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm brave now." Yeah, and, well, at one point in the movie, he like ran away, and then he tried to like jump in front of a train and kill himself and then go and save them and it's like oh you do care about me after all my life has meaning uh, <laughs> but I mean I think it is intended to be like uh, just a close friendship but they include like a sort of like subliminal yaoi message for people that are into that kind of thing um, I, I, I get this sense a lot from like um, pretty cure stuff I don't watch this show but Cloud will post, like, screen caps of it or whatever, and there'll be, like, a sort of plausible deniability to it or whatever where uh, two of the girls will be really, like, close friends or something. And they do that, like, to sort of, like, bait, like, adult fans or whatever that are really into gay stuff. And they know that, like, fanatical gay people are, like, one of the demographics that likes anime, I think. So I can see that. So they do that to, like, get older fans to, like, buy the merchandise for, like, $200 Blu-rays or whatever they cost in Japan. <laughs> uh, or the figurines. They, they pay like... all this money just to satisfy them holding hands, even though they're friends. Right, right. <laughs> just buy real gay porn at that point. Like, that's what you really want. I don't know. Yeah. I just well, kind of look guess... at it's like, hey, it's just two dudes that are, like, really close, and they're, like, you know, best buds, and that's what best buds do. So Right. I mean, I didn't see them in the shower, like, you know, giving each other the reach around or anything, so... It ain't, it ain't right. gay. Uh, I, I think what's really going on with the characters is that Gon is just really, like, a pure and innocent kid, and Kilua is... He feels, like, isolated because he doesn't like what his family business is. Or what they've done to, to him. Yeah. a new identity, and so he joins the... does the Hunter exam, and then he's, like, looking for new friends to rely on instead of having to deal with his brother who is manipulating him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they like sort of like dog whistle to gay people <laughs> or something uh, I think. But uh, but yeah, they, anyway uh, <laughs> uh, you, you do have a lot of like um, Kilo, uh, he'll like freeze and 
in the hallway or whatever in the Chimera Ant arc, and he, he can't quite go after Gon and help him with Nefer P2. Uh, and Gon, he, he, he like powers up when he's fighting Nefer P2, and he gets really tall and like becomes an adult because he was so angry at her or something. something. Well, so, yeah, to explain this, because I like basically just about killed him. Like, he was on the verge of death because... So, he was trying to do the same thing Biscuit does. The thing is, Biscuit's able to... She's got a full form. She's like the muscular, bolt, you know, butch bitch or whatever. Right. Like, she's touch. She's tough. So, she's got... That's her regular form, and then just all her nen to condense her down to the little petite little 12-year-old girl or whatever. Well, the image that she wants. Because, right, like... She's like an old Because that's, that's her... That's like a little boy girl. Yeah. That's, that's her being like the the presented version that she wants people to look at her as. But the real version of her is this muscular buff chick. Um, and what Gon did was the opposite, where he was basically like, I'm this skinny little kid, so then I'm going to, like, you know, perceive myself to be much bigger. And he strains his body and does all that, like, crazy crap. But it did take out freaking uh, cat, cat Girl or whatever. Yeah, he, like, brutally destroyed her, like, knocked off her head and everything. It was satisfying. I'll give it that. Um, and then right, he got, yeah. and then he got the reincarnation of, um, gosh, shoot, that guy with the, uh, kite. kite. Yeah, so kite yeah. reincarnates as like a little girl now. And yeah, that's all we know. There, there were some satisfying moments near the end of Chimera where, um, yeah, the battle with Nephew Peter. That was probably the best battle in the series. Yeah. Um, I would say the top three of that, and the one with Kilova earlier on that I mentioned, and the uh, one with um, the old man fighting the king. Uh, with the he's got like the giant Bodhisattva statue and all that stuff mm-hmm. going on. Uh, that was pretty badass. Uh, but then there were a lot of other uh, battles that I felt were not so necessary, like uh, like the wolf guy versus like the the octopus. Uh, octopus, guy? yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, it's the whole thing, like, converting, like, being covert, like, oh, this is how I'm going to sneak into the recording room to get past this one guy, and I can't shoot him because I'm a punk. And because of all this detail, just to get in the security room, and the wolf guy gets in there, and, yeah. And then they, I don't know, they, like, talk or something? Yeah, Yeah, John, that that whole arc is talking. Yeah, and then there's this other guy that's, like, he's, like, he can become invisible, and uh, yeah, so the he's like holding dude. his breath all the time. Yeah, and so they would show like these long, long scenes of like there's like the centaur guy and he's like standing around and like the lizard guy is holding his breath and it's like, will he manage to hold his breath in time? Can he manage to do it? And the narrator would just go on and on, and, and it, while this guy is holding his breath and okay, we get it. It's suspenseful. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, I remember that it, it, it's one of these things where it's like Namek time or something. Like, I think that whole arc took place in like an hour or something, and it, it and it was like half the series. They, they they would sometimes have the narrator mention like how much time had passed or something, and that made it especially like why why are you telling me about this? Like, if this whole thing happened in like ten minutes, why why don't you show it in one episode? Instead of having the narrator I, on and on and on. For me, it's just like, okay, there needs to be like a fan edit of that arc and just condense it down to ten episodes. 
Yeah. Well, so, I, I think can, I'm sure it can be YouTube done. Where, it, where they showed, like, a split screen of, like, everything that was happening at once and boiled it down to, like, five minutes or something. <laughs> and, and I know people have done that with other kind of stuff where they have a, a time limit, like, um... The, I, have the thought about, I have thought about doing... I have thought about doing that for Dragon Ball Z so many times. Right. Because <laughs> I'm not the only uh, one to think that way, where it's like, okay, everything's happening within that five-minute window that they just keep extending for, like, ten episodes or fifteen or whatever, something stupid. If you line everything up, and you condense it to five in five minutes, that's everything. Yeah, and I mean, that was something that people wanted so much with Dragon Ball Kai. Uh, that you, with Dragon Ball Z, they, they made Dragon Ball Kai to, like, cut out all the filler moments. But then even Kai, there, there there are parts where it, it drags, where Ginyu is standing there saying, 80,000, 90,000, 100,000, 101,000, there's no way he can be that strong. And then, yeah, it, there's a lot of that kind of stuff still in Kai, but I mean, uh, but I guess you, you kind of need that to like show how... What? What I like, what I like to see a fan, let me tell you what I like to see a fan edit of is whenever somebody counts in Dragon Ball Z or Super, you just add the the, the countula from uh, Sesame Street where they're going like seven thousand. He just pops and goes ah ah ah. <laughs> He's at eighty thousand ah ah ah. <laughs> That's the fan edit I would support. <laughs> yeah. So then after uh, after Gon uh, takes out Never P two, he's on the the hospital, and so like Leorio decides to run for the. The president of the Hunter Association. He gets he gets in the office because he decks Gene in the face, and people yeah. like him because he somebody did something in terms of violence. Yeah, we're gonna like this guy because we know he he can punch the heck out of crime or whatever. And the lawyer's <laughs> like, I don't care about being in office or whatever. Yeah, I think that he kind of just showed up and like exhibited like alpha dominance and just like by punching that guy who like everybody. Hated. Uh, everybody's like, okay, this guy is like the boss here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but basically, uh, he doesn't have any plans for running it other than just like he's upset that his friend is in the hospital and he wants him to get better. And and so just on the basis of this, like everybody is voting for him and he's about to select. <laughs> that this is... that stupid getting behind the scenes of like. We have to be. We have to play. It's mind games. It was like nine, like five episodes of mind games. Like we don't want this chairman guy to get it, the vice chairman person, because we all hate him. So we have yeah. to be to like we're doing. We don't want the position, but we really do. Like just the same as him, where he doesn't want to win, but he doesn't want to lose. And I'm like, how in the world does that make any freaking sense? Yeah. So there's this character called Periston, and he's like, is this, this- how speed C-SPAN like the anime works or something? Like narration. <laughs> Like, the psychic that, of, like, these people that go on TV and just, like, debate, and it's like, do they really want this position, or are they fighting for something they don't really want? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you might be more interested in watching, like, the senile old man Robert Mueller trying to figure out what his report says than seeing <laughs> these people negotiate. Uh, he uh, wrote uh, the darn thing. Right, but he didn't remember any of it when they testified. Well, then they asked He him, writes like, it down so he doesn't have to remember it. They asked him, like, did you write this thing? And he, like, wouldn't answer the question, which makes me think, like, somebody else wrote it for him. Oh. And he's, like, a figurehead, because he, he just seems so old and confused. But anyway, but this Parison guy, he's, like, he's the... Everybody is, like, trying to organize to stop him. They never explain why he needs to be stopped or what the reason would be that we would prefer this dog girl to the 
Paristen is like the president of the Hunter Association. Like they don't say like Paristen is going to like uh, disbar going and his friends or something. Like where we would have some reason to care if he gets. Yeah, there. he's not. He's not like making peace with North Korea, or you know, <laughs> trying to do an embargo on like another country for tr- to get rid of like their version of NAFTA. He, he's not. He's not like the anime version of Trump, but they treat him just as bad. <laughs> right, right. They they all act like he's like he's literally Hitler. Well, he hasn't really done anything that bad, which he, he's just like a smart aleck asshole. But like that's a that's it. That's his only crime. Like Trump. yeah, he's just like <laughs> I think they all just hate him because he's like this smooth talking guy that he's always oh, like playing some absurd like forty chess, where he's like trying to get other people to run so that then they can get votes, and then he'll tell them to drop out, and then at the end of the arc. He gets elected uh, after he he makes his only opponent Leorio because he manages to get uh, the dog girl to like endorse Leorio, and and then and then Gon shows up and he's fine and then Leorio drops out and then they then they like Pariston and then Pariston is he resigns after doing all this game to get elected. Yeah, it's like what the fuck is that all about? Why, why did we waste <laughs> like four months on this stupid? like Machiavellian scheme of this guy to like get elected and then resign on the first day. There was some fucking Democrat in 2016 that had this scheme. He, he, Lawrence Lessig, he was like some professor and he was like, I'm running so that I can get elected. And on day one, I'll appeal the citizens United Supreme court case. And then I'll resign. And it's like, wait, wait, why are you running for president? If you have just one thing you want, but this, this guy, I think he was like, I don't know if Pearson even did anything. Maybe he said, like, we'll reform the bylaws and then have another election or something. I don't remember what he exactly did. But that whole arc was just, like, a total waste of time. Yeah. Uh, but you have, like, another plot going on at the same time with uh, this, this weird, creepy girl who's, like, ripping off fingernails and, like, her eyes will disappear and she has, like, this other, like, dark personality. Yeah, she's, like, got a bipolar complex that's apparently, like... Uh, Kilua's sister that's the, that can grant wishes if you ask for nice things and not greedy things from her then she can if you ask to heal somebody or bring something to life and that like resets her evilness or something so that's what K- Kilua was using her for so she can revive Gon and then something happened and then Gon got to live and uh, yeah she's like she's like some alien or something I don't know why she has these powers but she uh, or maybe she just has like men or. Wait, like, or you're, you're questioning her powers. Like everyone has powers in this anime, right? But I don't think they show her like training or anything. Oh, that's you true. know, I don't think they really explain like why she has powers. But whatever. Um, but yeah, she th- th- she's in some room because she had like told people to kill themselves or something, or you know, she there's something where like she makes a request and then you make a request and then her personality changes. Uh, you know, it's it's explained in excruciating detail, but it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Akilwa like saves her. There's like this uh, trip, like chasing after him and trying to get her back or something. Um, eventually, she saves uh, Gon, and then Gon gets to meet his dad, and they uh, finally. Yeah, yeah. After like three years. Yeah. And uh, and there were there are times where Gon was like. He had these opportunities to meet the dad, 
like um like when he went back to his mother's house or whatever there was like this this C- cd or cassette tape or something that had some information and it, and it was like Gon's dad was telling him about stuff and then he just turns it off halfway through and then he's like i'm going to find him on my own it's like okay well you can find him if you just listen to the tape like you you went through all this effort to get this tape and then you won't listen to the whole tape like what the hell but it wouldn't be and a I... compelling story john if if he just watched the tape and did not and did exactly what his dad told him to do which was like don't find me ever yeah and then he's like oh i know a better way to do this i'll like call Kilawa's otaku brother and he'll find out a way for me to get into a video game because there's a character on this video game with the username Nig. That sounds sort of like Ging. So that's, that's <laughs> the same, same thing, right? It's like, maybe it's just like a racist shit poster going on. Like, how do you know Nig is reference to your father? <laughs> so, so he goes on there so that he can go meet Nig, but Nig isn't even in the game. He's off somewhere else now, and so like, why did you why did you spend all this time playing this game oh. with the fucking cards? <laughs> I, I don't know what. Yeah, so he sure he sure acted like a deadbeat nig, <laughs> not even be there for his kid to pay his child support. Yeah, that's that's a racist comment. I might have to cut that. out. I couldn't help it. I have to get this stuff out of me. You set me up, John, and then I say it. <laughs> I think in the dub they pronounced it Nig or something to make it sound slightly less offensive. But it's spelled N-I-G-G and it's shown on the screen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure um, there might have been an A after that. And then they checked it with like an American like translator like, nah, dude, that, that we got to drop that A or this word. <laughs> the name's Stan. We'll drop the A. <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, and then it turns out his dad has been you know participating in this election, and he had some scheme where he, you know, somehow he was trying to get them to vote a second time or oh my to change the bylaws or something, and somehow even though he seems to be like this like rough around the edges guy, he's somehow involved with this absurd like. 4D chess of trying to manipulate the other people too. Master manipulator here. Yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty satisfying to see Leorio deck him. I guess that was one of the, yeah. one of the best moments. Yeah, and then get on to him like, why aren't you there for your kid? Huh? Yeah. What kind of father are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, another weird thing about this show is that there's this when the, the whole uh, the whole chimera ant thing. There, there are these. Uh, I guess to summarize the, the arc, there are these ant monsters that have powers, and some of them learn how to use them, and then, then they become more powerful. Mm-hmm. And there are like dozens of them that they have to fight, and uh, so they're like destroying these villages, and then eventually they end up in uh, what's clearly an analog for North Korea, and they're calling it East Gorto. And there's this, like, fat dictator. Uh, you can and... spell Corto with a K, just like Korea. <laughs> yeah. And I was curious, like, how long has this arc been running? Because it's, I think it's probably the longest running arc in anime, if you look at just the amount of years that it ran, not the oh, uh, amount of chapters. But it, 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 I think it went from, like, 2002 to 2011 or something. Like, it was a really long time, because he would, he would do, like, uh, like, Ten chapters, and then he would take a year or two off, and then he would come back. So he would just do like one volume a year, 
and uh, and and and, and each, each chapter would be like a bunch of narration. Like that was not just in the anime. Like th- that arc had already finished in the manga mm-hmm. when the when the anime came out. So they, they don't even have that as an excuse of like they're padding, like they do with a lot of shonen jump anime. Like they just chose to like adapt it the way it was. And there I guess, are I guess they assumed that like I guess they assumed it was like okay. He's gonna make more chapters so we can add on to like the voting arc. No, we'll just cut the anime off here. Yeah, and there are like another fifty chapters uh, of this that have come out um, after the after the election arc. But I haven't read those yet, so I can't comment oh, on them. Gosh, but, but I've 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 seen like images of it, and it's like he puts out these sketchy ass chapters where it's not even it's not even completed artwork. It's like if you're gonna take off a year, then why don't you like finish the stuff and then resume serialization and instead of putting this finished version of the chapter in the graphic novel and putting in like these half-assed, sketchy illustrations in the in the in the Shonen Jump magazine? Like that's ripping off the people who subscribe to that. I just imagine like he's like kind of just like I think I think the publishers are showing up to his hotel. Like he's like apparently sick still. Yes. And and I guess like I don't know if they're coming to his house or his hotel or his uh, hospital bed. These publishers with like a gun pointed to his head, like just draw us five pages right now as I hold this to your temple, this forty-five to your temple, and they just like quickly sketches something, and he's like, uh, 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 gold, a kilo, or uh, uh, they're walking, and and he just like off the cuff makes up something, and he's just like, oh crap, I got to make a whole arc off of this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but this series is like incredibly well regarded. It has like over a score of nine on MAL, and um, I don't they... think it deserves that high. It's a good no. story. I'll give it that. I'll give it's a good story. He's been working on it for twenty some, like close to twenty years or whatever, twenty years at this point. Right. But it's just kind of like, man, just it, 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 whatever that score is, it's got to go down a little bit based off the Chimera art arc. I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe the fact that Madhouse animated it uh, helps. Like, there there are not really any, like, animation errors or anything that you might notice in, like, a toy anime. Yeah. Um, Madhouse, so, yeah, the only so, company that can take a crappy manga and make it look pretty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't think Piero is too bad either, but, um, you know, for there are some times where Piero's animation sucks. Um in Naruto or Black Clover or whatever, where sometimes you'll have, like, a really, really fluid and amazing-looking, like, fight scene in those shows, and then sometimes the characters will be standing there, like, cross-eyed, and their mouth flaps aren't moving, and it's like, oh, well, you've got, like, a different budget on some episodes than others. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think Madhouse uh, definitely helps the reputation, because if you look at, like, the 90s anime score... Um, I don't know who animated that one, but it was not Madhouse. The score for that one is not as high on there. Yeah, but that was... I've seen a couple episodes of those, of the of the 90s one. Okay. And they they only know. covered up to, like, the, what, the first couple of arcs, if that? Yeah. It was, it was on they, television. They only got partway through the um, York New City arc, uh, where Karapika is, like, uh, trying, fighting the Phantom Troop and all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Viz, Viz did a dub of that in... Uh, like the late 2000, um, which is now out of print, and I think it gotcha. had different actors than the than the new dub. Well, I, regarding the, the the for the Japanese voicing, uh, yeah, uh, shoot, K 
Keiko Han did the voice of Gon, and then her daughter is doing the voice of Gon for this new for the new series. Yeah, I think that's how it went. Well, I didn't know that. I believe so. I, I, I is it I'm... Megumi Han? Megumi Han. That's it. Yeah, that's her daughter's name. Okay. All right, hold up. Well, the, the name sounds familiar from maybe something else as well. Well, you'll know Keiko Han because she was Lala Soon in Gundam. And okay. she did one of the Sailor Scouts. So let me go mm-hmm. ahead. And in and, and the dub, it's um, the, the, the woman that um, I think she called Erica Menendez that voiced that, um, that, that main girl in Kill the Kill also. Okay. Let's see. I figured there'd be a cast here. I just have to go to Anime News Network and get this. Okay. All right. The the one from 2011, I think, is when um, the the Madhouse version started. So if you see yes. the two versions listed, there's like 1999 and 2011, two years. All right. Wait. Turn of retelling. This has got to be it. Okay. All right, hold up. I'm checking. Whoa, wait. What what series is this? Oh my gosh. You pulled up the wrong series. No, I think I got No, I got it. I got the right one. So, okay, it's actually Gone. It was voiced by Junko Takuichi. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, so. Is that uh is that also a famous actress? I I'm really not too know. good with the Japanese actresses. Alright, so let me go ahead and check. Maybe... I th- I thought for sure Keiko Han might have been gone or something. Let me check. No, she... I, hmm. Alright, so I am wrong. Uh, are you looking at the, the, the 90s one or the 2000s? I just looked up the 90s one, so that... Okay. So the 2001... Yeah, Megumi Han as gone. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe you just got the Hans mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I get my I get you know my Megumi, my Keikyo, and my Han solos mixed up all the time. <laughs> ah. This one of the more interesting of Han Solo was the protagonist. Yeah, use blaster for everything ever. One thing that's kind of weird about these um, shows, uh, One Piece did this too for a while, is where they will sometimes like write off uh, the supporting cast for a long period of time. Um, like Karapika just drops off of the face of the mm-hmm. earth halfway through this series. Yeah, so they brought him back for like five seconds in the last episode, and he's just got a bunch of those eyes in right. jars. Because he's like going after, like I guess, the people that killed his people. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's his revenge thing. But we haven't seen, heard hair, high or hair of him since, like, the end of the Phantom Troop arc. And then, like, yeah. um... For a and, while, the show was, like, all about him for, like, several months. And then he, like, then he was, like, dropped from it for a while. Yeah. That was, that was another one of my favorite fights in the show, was when he was battling that big guy with his, uh, chain. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and in the movies, <laughs> in the movies, I just watched the two movies the last week, and uh, one of them there's like a, there's a villain that uh, can bring back uh, dead people, 
and make him do what he wants. And so he brings back the uh, the fam trip guys that uh, that got killed. And so you get to see the big guy fighting again, and uh, it's pretty epic as well. So I, I thought the movies were pretty pretty well animated. And since they had to wrap up the story in, um, in 90 minutes, they were actually well-paced, which I thought was a relief compared to the show. It's kind of like when you're watching a Dragon Ball Z movie and you're like, Oh, thank God I don't have to see like the fucking Ginyu frog here. Like it's just gonna be like <laughs> Goku fighting Turles or whatever, or Broly, or, and it and it like gets straight to the good stuff, and you get a whole story in like an hour or an hour and a half instead of having to sit through like a bunch of filler. Yeah, even though the movies are technically filler in the sense that they're not like adapted from the manga, but but it, you know it, you can tell like an original story about characters that you didn't create like. Uh, that's not a stigma that I really buy into. The whole thing about like all filler is bad because it's not written by the original creator. You know, I think that's kind of like silly thing that some manga fans get into. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you know, like Madhouse, they animated it really well. There were some some big battles in those, and I I thought they were pretty good. Um, I know there's also OVA series that were never dubbed um, that came after the '90s show and. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe OVAs can have some pretty good budget. I'm, I'm not sure how well those were or how, how far exactly they got with those. I think they might have gone through um, Greed Island with those, uh, okay. the video game arc. And then uh, I, I don't know if they got to, I don't know if they got to Kamara Ant or not. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's probably all that there is to say about that show <laughs> from, from my perspective. Do you have anything more to say about it? Uh, no, I mean, like, I, but I mean, like, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, like, it was, yeah, it was, yeah it's a good shonen. It, it, it is a good, it's an entertaining shonen series that I kept up with. Because, like, once they yeah. got rid of, yeah, once they took off One Piece, I was, then I, didn't those two run together at one point? Yeah, I, I don't want to totally bash on it or whatever. There are some good characters in it and stuff. But, um, but yeah, they did have it on at, um, I don't. I don't know. Maybe they actually put it on after they let, dropped One Piece. I'm not sure. But they had it on pretty late in the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was at 3 a.m. at the end. And now they've dumped uh, My Hero Academia at 3:30. Um, at one point they're going to dump Dojo at 3 too. So it's kind of. I don't know if that, that's like the kiss of death. Like they're not going to bring in the next seasons of Jojo and My Hero. Or what? But uh, huh. uh, uh, interestingly, like the the. The, the ratings for My Hero have actually not dropped, even though they they moved it from um, from like ten thirty p.m. to three thirty a.m. Yeah, because it was getting yeah, it was doing like a fantastic in the ratings, and then they dropped it to that to that low spot. Yeah, and, it, Wait, and it, have it, they have they are they done airing it or are they? No, there's two episodes left. Okay, but it's uh, it's got like it's got this like the second highest ratings in the block after Dragon Balls. Well, third third highest after Super and Titan. But now that Titan's gone, it's probably going to be second highest, uh, which is incredible because it's on at the very end of them. Um, but I guess so much of the audience watches this like on DVR, or watches the whole thing. Uh, that that it that this the ratings are like really pretty stable throughout the night, even though they look yeah. low uh, compared to where they were a few years ago. Um, they must still do well enough for the. This block to continue because they're still able to pick up all these big series and uh, and they're developing like original series like um, you know Samurai Jack season five was on there 
and then if yeah. primal by Tartakovsky is coming out, which they say it's gonna be like caveman or something. And uh and there's like there's supposed to be some sort of Blade Runner uh animated series that is being developed that I think will be on there. Hmm. Have you heard about that? Maybe I, I can't remember. If it was like I, it's been a while. Yeah, I, I think it's been announced last year or something, but I think they're taking the time with it, but it'll probably be pretty pretty badass. I still need to see the like, Blade Runner too. The twenty forty or whatever it was called. Yeah, like, no, that that's a good movie because I saw that in theaters. Um, and, and I think um, Scavengers. There, there was like a, a short called Scavengers that they aired. Yeah, uh, and they're they're going to make like a full series out of that, I believe. That, huh. that will air on Tommy. Um, I remember seeing it on uh, on April Fool's Day when they did the the Japanese yeah. bomb. But I think they aired it then. Yeah, they did. It was like the last thing on that block. Yeah, and it's like the this weird um, planet where there's like all these different creatures eating each other, and there's some like astronauts uh, checking the soil or something. Uh, but but it was pretty like visually interesting to see, even though there was like uh, I don't think there's really any dialogue or anything. Hmm. Uh, but uh, they they are bringing in like more Western animation on Tsunami, which I kind of like. The they brought in Genlock, which is a pretty weird choice. Um, which is this digital series that uh, is made by Rooster Teeth, and okay. I've never seen any of these Rooster Teeth series. But I know they're very popular. I, like, I got into I, like I got into Red versus Blue like the first two seasons, and like that's the only Rooster Teeth thing I've ever kept up with. They've been around for a real long time. Like I remember yes. people telling me to check it out when I was in like middle school. Yeah. Um, and, and I think even then it had been like uh, 15 or 20 years. Like they must have been somewhere else before YouTube, like Newgrounds or something. But uh, Man, I I don't know where they're hosted. They must have had their own website and then by word of I, I remember re- reading about them. Um, and a segment of, like, the local paper for Raleigh, like the News and Observer, because they had, like, a text section, and somebody did a write-up review about Red versus Blue. That's how I first read it. I heard, knew about it. So I think I Googled it or check, I wrote down the website or something, and I just, I remember, I got the episode, I think, probably off of, like, Winamax or something, and so I just, like, kept a bunch of them over the years. And, you know, like, yeah, of course it's low quality, because this is, like, 2004. Um, but, yeah, I've still got, like, those episodes like probably on a data disc somewhere yeah and um yeah like i enjoy the heck out of what i saw for red versus blue and they just kept making more and more seasons because they kept making more halo yeah and after that they made this show called r w b y is that how it's pronounced that's how i've been told it's pronounced yeah all right um i i had never seen any of that but i did read the manga when it was in jump uh, and it didn't really make any sense to me, but I think it's made for the fans of the show. Um, gotcha. So, and then uh, then this Genlock thing is like, uh, I think they're trying to go for like a Pacific Rim or a Gundam kind of uh, vibe with it, but um, they, um, they animated it like it's um, like weird sort of cell shaded animation, like from the early two thousands, like Dragon Riders or. Um, uh, Stormhawks or that kind of thing, uh, and I don't. 
I don't know. It's kind of weird looking, but uh, for a YouTube animation, I guess it looks pretty good. Or I don't know if they're on YouTube, but maybe they're hosted on their own site. But uh, for digital animation, you know, I was very impressed by it. But uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the story and the characters didn't interest me all that much. Uh, they just had the first episode last night. Uh, and supposedly they cut out six minutes of it, which must be pissing off some people. <laughs> Because it's like a 30-minute show, but they have to air it on TV and there's commercials. Yeah, so they have to cut it down. Yeah. And they don't usually do this with the anime because the anime fans get so anal attentive about this stuff. They ride and if you cut anything out. <laughs> Western like, animation uh, fans, ah, oh, they won't care. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they aired that last night, and uh, I, I, there was like some leak on um, the CEO board of 4chan before it was announced as airing, and, yeah. and there was somebody claiming like, "Oh, this is going to be this super divisive uh, thing, and people are going to be uh, really angry at Tanami about this. This is the biggest mistake we've ever made, and we tried to stop Demarco from going through with this, but." Uh, I don't know if this is going to do bad in the ratings, or if this has like a big fan base that's going to tune in for it, or or what. But uh, yeah, I think that that post may be fake. You know, it's it's hard to really know with this Chan stuff. Like, to what extent is somebody just like predicting things that are going to happen just based on you know probability, and to what extent is it actually like an insider revealing information? Because sometimes people will say like. Oh, Banjo Kazooie! It's going to be announced for Smash Brothers, and it's like, okay, well, they're just saying that because that was like a popular video game character in the '90s, and people uh-huh. have been writing Nintendo saying that they're going to that they want them to do that, and and so it's not like when somebody posts that on the video game board, like they have inside information 100% or or anything, and uh, and then this even carries over to like the po- political boards on these channels, or it's where, you know. There's there's supposedly a manifesto that was posted there about this shooting that happened uh, over the weekend. Yeah, and uh, and and the, like the media was reporting like we have this, but we're not sure if it's true. And then people were saying it was a hoax, and now I think they're saying again that it's real. And uh, and like the time codes seem to indicate that it was proved, posted that morning. But at the same time, I went on there to, like, see, like, is this actually on there? Uh, and, uh, like, HM poll board is just a total sewer. And there are all <laughs> kinds of fucked up people on there that are, like, praising what happened and everything. Of course. And uh, so, I, you know, I can only stand so much of that garbage, but uh, uh, I didn't see it on there. I think that it was probably deleted uh, after the Senate to law enforcement or something. Um, and so now there's this controversy over, like, should this site even be allowed to exist when people like post on there saying I'm about to go kill a bunch of people and then there are people like egging them on in the comments or whatever uh, and so Cloudflare which hosts them is considering dropping them and they said well for now we're leaving it up because we uh, want law enforcement to be able to see what's going on and have evidence and motive and the sort of thing for when people choose to do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly that's what Gab did with uh, the synagogue shooter. They like, provided all the information to the, uh, to the to law enforcement, and they said, like, well, now we know the guy's motive was happening. Uh, but uh, they got shut down anyway from their, 
their web processor and Gab had to like go to some other country to get hosting. And uh, I, I think they did eventually find like hosting again in the U.S. from some other company. But, yeah. Uh, but this sort of thing happens when whenever there's some sort of incident where people get killed, there becomes all this issue of like, well, we have to do something. There was like this all caps trend on Twitter. Do something. And, and okay. <laughs> It's just like an emotional outburst. It's like, do what? Yeah. Like, yeah. You can, can you what, be so what some people are saying, some people are saying we have to get rid of the First Amendment. We can't have free speech anymore because some people say naughty things on the internet, <laughs> and then some people are saying, oh, guns because that's the reason. And then some people say, well, we have to get rid of the video games. Uh, and I can't uh, believe that's back. The video game yeah. discussion. Yeah, there was and, some... and it's starting out. It's starting out by a Republican from California. It's not even Jack Thompson anymore. Well, everyone laughed at how ridiculous Jack Thompson thought on on that. He was the only advocate for it, so now you got these more people like coming up there like it's the video games again, like we already went through this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not totally denying that like some crazy people might play video games and like Everybody plays video games, John. I mean like Right. But that's the problem is like the stuff that millions of people play and and when the guy was on Fox News talking about it, he was like, This is an industry that's bigger than music and movies together financially and it's time for us to do something about it. It's like, oh, okay, gosh. so you can like bankrupt the economy of your state? You represent California. You, A and you tech know how much, company state, mind you. Yeah. You know how many studios there are there? You know, there's like the Sierra Gaming out in the mountains uh, that did all the old point and click games. you and, got Blizzard, you've got um, there's an EA, there's, pro- there's probably an EA Los Angeles as a publisher. I mean, there's it's it's a ridiculous amount that's in California because that's a technology hub there, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so it's kind of like these Republicans they they're not entirely wrong when they say like you know maybe some crazy sociopaths play video games and like to prepare themselves to kill people or whatever maybe, but it's like one person abusing something doesn't mean that other people's freedom to enjoy themselves should be gone. Yeah, it's yeah, like not every person owns a gun is a, is a, is a nut job. Uh, not every person that owns and plays video games is a nut job. It's just right. some I mean, hobby just... that somebody that somebody likes to do that happen to be crazy that they eventually will do something. And uh, you know what, John? Every person has ever murdered someone has drank water. Right. You need to get rid of water. Water is there. probably the cause of why we kill each other. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This guy was saying, like, oh, we've always had guns, and this hasn't happened in such a great degree now, so it must be because of uh, video games, and uh, they took the prayer around our schools, and uh, he had some other things that he said, too. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to... I ain't going to knock like, the prayer out of schools thing. I mean... he. Well, in Texas, there is still de facto prayer on school. Like, yeah. when I was in middle school and high school... You have the Pledge of Allegiance, and then you have uh, the so-called moment of silence, which is the period where you're expected to pray. Well, we have that in South Carolina too. Right. I, my thing is, it's like I understand, like people, like you know, that aren't gonna. Everyone's not gonna believe the same way. I mean, like it's no different. Like people that like, have been growing up in church most of their lives, like you know, these youth students I know, and they, as soon as they get to a certain age, they don't they don't want anything to do with church anymore. It's just like, oh, that's not for me. Because it just, I, I guess it didn't either apply for them or they just didn't see a need for it. And no, you, yeah, you can bring, like, if you can put people in, a, in, a, in an area, it doesn't mean they're going to, like, you know, 
do every. They're going to grow up with that. They're going to do their own thing, and you can't stop that. You can't change that for them. So, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, we put our kids in public schools or whatever. And we cram all this knowledge down their throat. What are they going to do with most of it? Not remember a darn thing. It's just happened to be mandated and curriculated that we, or by curriculum that we have to give them this information because that's the way our, our education system is set up for them to know this stuff. Even though they may at most retain 15% of whatever they learned in school on average. 10 to 15%, I'd say. Um, but like, so like yeah, even, so even if, even if they had, people are never going to use them. Yeah, but even, like, if you had, like, you know, oh, they took prayer out of school, it's like, you know, I think if you, even if you had it in a school, like, students have a right. I mean, you can either do it one way or the other where, like, you know, you can make it mandatory, and then the kids that don't want to pray, they don't have to. Can't make them. Or, you know, at least don't have it, like, you know, like, kids that are, are you know, do believe in the Christian faith or any other kind of faith, they're, you know, knocked down for it. Um and you know, yeah, like, there's a lot, there's a lot of kids for the moment of silence thing. Uh, I mean, there was but... always the uh, the Christian movement that they had was uh, this thing called "See You at the Pole" that they did every year. That was kind of like, oh, we can stand up for our faith. And, and I think honestly, well, like this? see you at the see pole, you at the pole. pole was basically a bunch of Christians gather around the, a pole flagpole once a year to pray for their school. I okay. I think I this is a South Carolina costume. No, it's a nationwide thing, but I don't know that they, they always okay. promoted it at churches. I don't know how many people did it, and I think it was more like, well, I hang out with the jocks, and most of them aren't saved, so I, and I'm the Christian guy, so I don't know if I want to go out there and be with my other believing friend or people that I know that go to church or whatever and be ridiculed for it. But then, you know, if, but if I am, I'm standing up for God or whatever. It's like, and now I think there's more tolerance to that. I have no idea. I don't really see, I, don't, I haven't really seen a whole lot of people like, at least publicly, like, you know, get bashed on their faith, like, from what I've, like, substituted at schools or whatever. It's usually for something else. You know, well, it was kind of like the stigma there, like, oh, you know, you like Jesus, you're dumb or whatever. And, anyways, that's a whole other thing, but... Well, now we're getting to, like, a new kind of... The, the new culture war is, like, immigrants versus, like, gay people in schools, because there'll be, like, a... There'll be, like, a curriculum where you have to, like, recite all the letters of the LGBTQIA acronym and it, like explain in detail what they all mean on like a homework assignment. And, uh, and like the, the Muslim parents will be like, we don't want our kids doing this. Or like the African Christian immigrants will be like, uh, yeah, we don't believe in this. We, we don't want our kid uh, taking this class. And it's like, you can't opt out of it in California and in like the UK and all these other places that are starting to have this as part of their curriculum. I just take the failing grade. I mean, right? Yeah, but just uh, just write like, I just write on the sheet of paper. Not doing this. I'll take the zero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, when I was in middle school here uh, in Texas, uh, they had this uh, class. Um, sex ed was part of uh, health class. It was just like one week or two or something. I okay. They, well, now this is middle school, right? Yes. Okay. Now I I I don't even know if they even do sex ed anymore, and I think that's a shame. Because I had yep. it, like, in 5th and 6th grade. It was yeah, a brief was... thing, but at least they, like... It was kind of generic. It was kind of, like, in 5th grade, it was, like, an overview of, like, oh, man, my body's doing weird things. Okay, like, what? And then they show, like, a cartoon diagram, like, here's how a penis gets erect. And you're kind of like, wait, how, why does it get erect? Why does it have to do that? Oh like, and, yeah, I... Yeah, and then yeah, you know, learn about like this the menstrual cycle and stuff like that, and a lot of us just giggled about it. And the, and the teachers like, you know, guys, shut up, this is serious. 
Um, and in sixth yeah. grade, by then everyone like was looking at naked, naked uh, people of the opposite sex or same sex. Um, but we didn't really mention homosexuality much. It was mostly just the opposite sex. Like, okay, we got, you know, we're noticing that women in lingerie on TV are really, really hot and attractive, and I get a boner every time I look at them. So I think that's all related to that somehow. And then they kind of like, okay, that's how your body works. And that was about a week, and then, like, that was it. And I don't even know if they still do that. And I think that's, like, and they should. But, I mean, but I guess like, for them it's like, oh, you know, the, you got these parents, like, oh, we'll teach your kids about sex. And I'm like, there are some parents that, like, do a crappier job than what the government does. Right. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of parents never bring it up on mine. Certainly never yeah. They're like, Oh, well, you just got to do it when you go, when you, when you get married. Okay. So I have these desires. What do I do with them until then? Well, you know, they're either dirty or they're shameful or it's just, yeah, crap like that. Like you gotta, yeah. There is a sort of leftover of Victorianism or Puritanism where people, uh, you don't want to talk is, about this stuff. That is uh, more, um, aestheticism coming from the church. And that's still that's still that's still there. It's, it has its ugly head, and people still like to preach on it. And it's just like, guys, come on. Yeah, I mean, but it, at the same time, I can uh, sort of like retroactively appreciate it in the sense that if you look at the sort of stuff that's going on now, uh, that doesn't seem so bad. You know, like if, if this was like a widely belief still, uh, there would not be things like the slut walks and uh, all these kinds of things <laughs> that are, are are probably not so good for for women overall. I mean, they, they may think it's empowering or whatever to like march around in the streets and lingerie, but uh, I, I don't know how that really is actually improving anything. I mean, I, I, as a single, like, <laughs> it's one thing as like, okay, you're going to do it as long as I, I can check you out and look at you and enjoy how beautiful I think you are and you don't judge me on it and I don't get slapped in the face, we won't have a problem. But, you know, if they do that and they want to sh- do that as a way to shame men for looking at them, that's when I have an issue. Because, <clears throat> yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's stupid like that. It's like demasculating men is like the new culture trend now, and I, that's just evil to me. And it, it should yeah. be to every guy. Well, a lot of these people, whenever I see like a, a image of it, and maybe people are selectively taking images that look the worst, but it's usually like some obese woman, and she's like on top of like a police car, like flopping like a fish naked. Or something at one of these events. That is and it, not hot. It'll be, yeah, it'll be one of these bizarre things like that. Uh, there was one where one of them was like trying to dance on top of the police car, and then they like fell off the side of it, and then they were like writhing on the ground, and it looks sort of like, you know, like when Peter and Family Guy like falls over and he's like holding his knee for like several minutes. And, <laughs> ah, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it just goes on and on. <laughs> uh, it, you know, but uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know uh, where else I was going with that. Oh, yeah, the sex ed club. Uh, there were there were girls that would opt out of that arm because their parents didn't want them to hear about it, and, uh, uh, and they they would have all these really awkward like um, documentaries about uh, this kind of stuff. Going um, back to probably the fifties. Here's how your body works. Your body is changing. They look like they're like 80s VHS tapes. Oh, man. But, um, but they, they would have stuff like about how to avoid getting AIDS or something. And uh, it was like you have to be uh, married to someone and then you can't get AIDS was basically the message. 
Uh, <laughs> well, that, that's that's um, uh, it's not entirely true unless you're marrying the person. I mean, like unless you're marrying the person that doesn't have AIDS. I yeah, think it's more well, of a like, please know the person that you're in love with and you want to share the rest of your life with, and make sure they don't have the AIDS. Well, what I remember was that there was a woman and a man, and they were engaged to be married, and they had sex before the wedding, and it was sort of implied. Well, I mean, I think she pretty much said it. Like, if I had just waited, maybe he would have told me that he had AIDS or something like this, uh, or I, I don't know what exactly the mechanism would have been that she would have not gotten AIDS. But you know, if you're already so close to someone that you get engaged to them. And they don't tell you that they have AIDS up to that point. They're a really crappy person. The fault of that guy, not the fault yes. of the fact that he didn't get married. Or the but, girl or whatever in this case. Whoever's got the AIDS. Yeah, I don't remember which of the two it was. I just remember uh, well, that, that, that there was like a discussion of AIDS. Cause, uh, it, like when you look at AIDS stuff from the 80s or the 90s, it was a real like, I guess it was really stigmatized and it was really thought of as like a disaster. Because people had been practicing kind of free love for 20 years at that point, right? Yes. You had the hippies in the 60s. Yeah. And then, like, the sexual revolution kind of got out of control. And AIDS comes over from, like, somebody's, like, sleeping with monkeys in Africa. And then they they have sex with, like, a flight attendant. And then they're having sex in, like, bathhouses. And, it, like, the degeneracy levels are, like, so off the charts. All these different things that are going on. That it, and then it eventually starts spreading into, like, heterosexuals as well. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and then that kind of like caused like a resurgence in this whole idea of abstinence, right? Because kind of like you play with fire, you get burned, right? If you go too far out of like accepted sexual morality that has existed for thousands of years for a reason, which is that you want to have somebody you can trust and you want to like save yourself for uh, marriage, marriage and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, you know, th- these, these customs developed because, uh, you know, that way you don't get diseases because people are not doing things they shouldn't be doing like sleeping with animals or well john for better or for worse (laughs) so right and so i guess maybe like that 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 could cause people to become like more sexually responsible like if you like like the kind of stuff that was going on when kavanaugh was in high school versus the kind of stuff that's going on now but i mean now you have like different kinds of weird degeneracy like i remember seeing some article in like the uh, some uk paper like the Daily Mail or The Sun or something about like the community of transgender people there where all these women are like binding their chests and uh, and it's like they, they became like some sort of royalty at the school where they're regarded as like a really cool trend and uh, you know it's sort of treated like emos were when I was in middle school or high school where it's like oh this is really like daring and edgy or something but the problem is like with emos like, yeah, maybe they cut themselves or something, and hopefully not too many of them, like, cut themselves so much that they bled out. Or nicked but an artery not, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, but, like, not that many of them were getting these permanent surgeries and gender-blocking hormones when they're, like, underaged, and then it's, like, messing with their bone density, and uh, it leads to this high suicide rate, because, like, dissociated from your body, because you've done all these bizarre things to it that throw your hormones out of whack, mm-hmm. and so it's, uh, you know, there, there's all these different problems that develop over time. <laughs> I don't know if, I, I don't know how long this trend is going to last, but it seems like it keeps getting crazier where you have like the, these sports where women can't compete anymore. 
because men come in and they say they're women and uh but they still have like fundamentally like a larger body because they're males so they have a different muscles different skeleton and stuff and like men are just in general like on average bigger than women and more so, physically able and you know powerful than women because that's how they're designed right. Right, and people, they don't understand this, and so they think things like, why aren't the women's soccer players being paid the same as the male soccer players? And, and so people are, like, watching the male soccer players more. The ratings are much higher. There's yes. more sponsorships. It's all, it's all ratings, yeah. Yeah. No matter how well the, the women are doing, more people want to watch men's soccer. The reason is people who want to watch peak athletic condition people competing, and the, the people who are the peak athletes are generally men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and there is like a a market for women's sports too, because women's kind of stuff as well. And that's fine, but it's it's smaller because I, I just know that every time women something women's sports has started up, it, it does eventually fail. Like there was the WNBA, the Women's Basketball Association, which did have a good run for a while, and then you know that went that went away. Um, there's still the Women's Soccer League, which I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, really, like the only thing I like watching regarding women's sports is like I'll, you know during the Olympics, like I'll watch women's events. Like you know, um, I'm only kind of watching it because if there's a there's a cute girl that's on a team for a country, like oh, I'll definitely you know watch it because I think they're cute. So like yeah, I'll well, pull for a rack or whatever. There was a really like really I think there was a pretty woman I found really attractive for a rack. I can't remember what she did, but I was like I will definitely pull for a rack for just that one sport because she's in it. Um, that's been yeah. Years, I could see so... watching the, the swimming or something like that. Just to see the <laughs> in their swimsuits or whatever. But uh, uh, yeah, or, or weightlifting or um, gymnastics. Uh, gymnastics are they're really teenagers, so it's kind of like there's nobody really like in their twenties that does gymnastics. They get to a certain point, and then it's kind of like okay, you're done. Yeah, at figure skaters, I think they're in peak physical condition. Yeah, I mean, all that's, of these so that's are sport, really though. probably pretty. Uh, you know, uh, top level in terms of just you know to to have your body be that honed, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's getting kind of late. Do you want to just pick up the closing remarks recording tomorrow night? Just make this oh, a I, I don't, I don't know. Do we have do we have more stuff for closing remarks? I guess we never talked about the debate. We well, talk about I want to talk about the dis, the uh, disposition with Kick Vic. Uh, okay, the whole thing okay. with the C and reborn thing. Um, I gotta get. I gotta get reborn pretty quickly. Like basically, they just okay. kicked you out because you hadn't posted anything in a few months. Okay, well, we'll end this. We'll end this part here, and then we'll get on to the other stuff tomorrow. Um, right. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. So like, C and reborn is, gosh, uh, to sum it up, it's it's this guy, who wants to redo C- Cartoon Network in its glory days. During these, I don't even know. I didn't even know these eras that they're talking about existed until like they had a, you know, kind of. I had to like see like, oh, it's like they're considered these eras regarding like what the logo looked like or how they pr- did these promotions. So people were like more fond of like when they promoted Cartoon Network this way for a couple of years, which was like the city era or something. They were huge on the city, yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 remember, I was like, oh, I remember these promos. I didn't think anything of it because I just watched it for you know. um Tsunami at the time, or you know, Ed and Eddie, or whatever. Yeah, by the time the city came around for me, that was already after the peak of cartoon. Yeah, um, I remember. I mainly remember those bumpers from when I would record um, 
Dot Hack Legend and Gundam Seed and uh, Cyborg Surgeon Online and stuff on Friday night because they would air without Tsunami packaging, even though that was de facto like a midnight run type thing, yeah. where they would air that yeah. same kind of stuff. Um, and I do remember seeing like Robin and Raven like hanging around in the city or whatever. And uh, but I mean they're, they're not that incredible. Uh, a lot of them are silent. They are just standing there and like an image of like a building with or something, you know. But these guys are really really into it, and they're like trying to find the the source code file. And I, I remember kind of like uh, busting their balls on this kind of stuff because they they like were claiming like they knew what building they were in in like Australia. And I was like, okay, you guys need to, like, dress up as, like, a kangaroo and just kind of, like, hop in there and just <laughs> steal the files. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, like, I didn't – I'm part of the Discord because I had some stuff that I recorded that I put on my spleen. I was like, well, you know, I, I'll contribute this part project in some way. So, I had a file on their uh, Google Drive, and I put a bunch of my stuff on there. And – I just kind of would normally sort of check up on the on the Discord channel once in a while, but like it, it was like nothing really caught my interest. And one day I was kicked out of there because the guy who runs it, his name's Icebox, or now he's going by a different name, but he's not he Icebox. He calls himself Klexos now, but yeah, uh, it's Icebox. Icebox. Um, he decided to go through this purge and kick more people out of there, and so I got the boot because I didn't follow this one particular thing where I was supposed to make one comment a month as a requirement to be on there. Which no one knew about. I, he, they posted up some sort of, like, at everyone notification, and, like, I, it was so much a wall of text, and I was like, ah, it's probably not that big of a deal. And I didn't even bother reading it. And, <laughs> right. and Yeah, and then, like, you know, three months go by, and I get kicked, and then I'm like, well, hey, I... Can I come? Because they they kicked me. They kicked a bunch of people because they're trying to find whoever this guy was that was posting things on the on the Google Drive. Um, yeah. And they couldn't figure out who it was, and they thought it was me. And I was like, No, I'm this. Here's my file name. This is the stuff I uploaded. Um, and you and Daft can back me up on that. <clears throat> Anyways. Yeah, there's some guy called Jack Frost. They're going after, and they don't know who he was. I don't even and know what so, he, if he did anything. What did yeah, he do? I don't know either. I, I don't have access to that to, to that drive anymore. They kicked they kicked me off the drive, and they kicked you off the server. Uh, yeah, I think I'm. Like I've actually, I actually I actually still think I'm on the drive. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah, is weird. Like they kicked me off the insane. server, but then like on the drive, I still have access to their stuff. So yeah. what I did, so like I was like, hey, because you're trying to get me back in. Yeah. And, and you got that one like blackmailing or something. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, he's got Kenshin recordings, which I which I do. I just haven't done anything with him, and yeah. and then you got that one Alicia bitch who was just like, oh, he's trying to blackmail his way or, you know, beg to, for us to come back in here, and she was like completely rude to me, and I'm like, yeah, I you... never even talked to you, like what, like who do you think I am? Yeah, I didn't even, um, I I barely know who she is. I kind of stopped reading the server at the time she came in. Yeah, it exactly. Became this like sickening, like lovey-dovey stuff with him, her, and the Ed's kid who was always like trying to get into her pants or something. Gosh. And he's like this nerdy teenager from New York or something that lives in a cold thing and thinks his life is like Ed, Ed, and Eddie or. But uh, <laughs> he he thinks he's gonna like go walking up to her with like a package of jawbreakers and seduce her. <laughs> 
Oh, but yeah, it was just like how nasty people were, especially her. And I'm and I'm just looking at this, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be on here anymore. So what I did is I took my ball and went home. <laughs> I and and by and the metaphor for taking my ball was everything that was on that flat that folder. I deleted everything off of there. I took a screen cap and I said, John, post it on there and said, and tell these people they'll never get any of this stuff back. If even if they never yeah. like d- downloaded it, like if you didn't download it, it's not my problem. So I deleted my whole folder, even though I still have access to their their to their content that I don't care about. And so what this guy does is he uh, he does like a remaster of these old cartoons like Ed and Ed and Eddie and uh, Powerpuff Girls of their own, and uh, and he's like trying to create this ultimate Cartoon Network experience, and he's going to create this this folder uh, that's going to contain like 30 terabytes of like uh, digitally enhanced edits of Cartoon Network shows, and, but he doesn't want anyone to know about it other than like 10 people on his <laughs> server. And he's like extremely paranoid about spies. He thinks that Cartoon Network is trying to get him, and he thinks that the EU is going to use their <laughs> like internet regulation to shut him down. Oh my gosh! And, and so like the other day they're talking about like. We have to move to some other uh, platform. We can't be on Discord anymore. I don't even know why. They were just like freaked out for no reason. Like, I scrolled back trying to figure out like, what is the reason for this. And I, I couldn't even tell. I think it was just Icebox got paranoid. And then Alicia started like like egging him on. Like, oh, we really got to get. We got to find some new way to communicate. And I couldn't even tell like what was the reason. <laughs> and then today, he was like, uh, he went after this guy, Marble, who was like this big supporter the project for a long time and he'd previously been banned for something totally trivial like he was arguing with someone else in the chat um and uh you know probably like what what aspect ratio ed and eddie should be or some crap like that <laughs> uh, but uh but uh they uh they were like uh, he, he's like marvel i've told you four times this week that you're not allowed to say happy birthday to me. And don't you know that the birthday I listed on Kometsu was secret and fake anyway? You should have known better. I would never reveal my true birthday. And you shouldn't even hint that today's my birthday. <laughs> this guy's like so paranoid. He thinks someone's going to find out his birthday. And then <laughs> like, like only one person was born on the day that he was born on. Like, this guy is fucking lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh that really narrows it down you know you, instead of like 7 billion people you're down to 1 you know 50 million people that were born on that day oh man we've got you we got you narrowed down Icebox we're gonna pick you out for sure out of that 50 million crowd that really shortened yeah. out our times our time frame to search <laughs> you and hunt you down like the dog you are god yeah, I saw that. I was like, who in the world gets mad for someone to say happy birthday to them? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was one of the strangest reasons I've ever seen. And he was like, you're no longer listed as a supporter in punishment for these actions. Yeah, you're it's no like longer. It's like the guy got this role by paying money for like DVDs for, or something like that for the project. Yeah, because you and can then... only be a supporter if you ha- if you buy DVDs that they need and want you to rip to put it on their their hard drive. That's it. Yeah. You could just give them the money if you wanted to do that. And 
and like they won't take TV recordings for some reason. I don't know, but yeah, they they will look through TV recordings for bumper, but they won't use the uh, TV reps as the actual um, like episodes or whatever. Um, but yeah, and uh, I think Icebox at one point he said something like, "I'm going to need files for every minute that Cartoon Network has ever aired because I have to include all of the bumpers." all of the narrators commenting on the ending trailers. And and it's like, dude, you're not going to find that. There's stuff that's from the nineties that was never recorded. Like, Oh yeah. Where they show. would do, narr- they would do like a narrator over the credit scenes for like, um, I remember that for like, uh, two stupid dogs or, uh, I am weasel or something or a cow and chicken. Yeah. They would have that to introduce the next show. So yeah, it would have that over, they would have that over the air narration for that. I remember that. But not many people had that stuff. Yeah, and they kept that going even until the uh, Cartoon Network City era, uh, where they would they would have the, this girl Nikki, I think she's called, uh, tell some story like I was at the cafe today and I saw Billy and Mandy or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So they, they they did keep doing that, and, and I did like add to this feeling of community of the block and everything. And, uh, you know, uh, it's nice and all, like this guy has these illusions that he's going to find everything that's ever aired and create this massive thing. And like, who's going to be able to download all this? You have to download like 10 external hard drives or something. And then the, like, you're not even going to be able to perceive whatever remastering benefits he has done. Like the amount of clarity that the eye can, can like even detect at some point, there's like a limit to this, you know, like, you know, when you go from 4k to 8k to, 10k or whatever it's up to like the eye is not even getting all the detail that is maybe technically there so you upgraded to 4k and it's just more cell and tv grain and like all that's like oh it's like the oh you can really tell the grain it even looks more digitized because you're trying to upscale something that's not meant to be upscaled that way yeah unless you have the masters that's yeah well the only 4k stuff i've seen is the marvel shows netflix and uh they're they don't even look good to me. I mean, the uh, it, it is way too grainy. Like it, it looks pixelated because it's like they're including so many dots that it's like more than can even be handled or something. I mean, it's supposed to be like better video quality, but uh, it, it ends up being like so much detail that it's like an overload or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 I, I mean, people will just like try to signal how. You know, rich they are, I guess, by buying these TVs with they can can show it or whatever. Like, I'm I'm not sure how how much further you can go with that kind of, especially when it comes to video games. Like, each each new system is supposed to have more more of this. But uh, I, I remember seeing like a Cinemasker video where they showed uh, like the the new PlayStation and the new Xbox, where they have these like mid mid system upgrades, like the Pro or the Plus or whatever the hell they call them. And uh, uh, for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And uh, and they showed videos of uh, people playing, uh, y- you know, some, some video game and on the old version of the PlayStation and then on the new version. And it was kind of like 50-50 that, like, some of them would say, well, one was better and some would say the other was better. But it wasn't clear that there was some consensus of, like, the new version is even better. Mm-hmm. But you would have to drop, like, $500 for a new system that can't actually play new games or anything that the old one can't play. 
it's just more pixels, but it's not. It doesn't even necessarily look better. <sighs> okay, so we've gone off on onto something totally different. Cartoon Network Reborn, but I think. It, yeah. Yeah, I need to, I need to go ahead and get off and. Uh, I gotta, it's ten o'clock Eastern, huh? So. Yeah, it is. I need to clean up and head to bed because I got work in the morning. We will continue our closing remarks tomorrow night. Um, I can get on and we can finish the rest of this. So. Yeah, we can just call this like the hundred hundred review. So at least. It will... Yeah, I, I will, this will definitely be the hundred hundred review, and um, and then we'll just have extended closing remarks time. Yeah, we can talk about Biden or whatever. All right, yeah. cool. All right. All right, uh, later. All right, later. mystery. It's okay. Because it's gluten free. Uh, it is. Interesting. Yeah. I guess that even the candy, they try to make it more healthy now. I mean, unless they make candy that like can clean your teeth at the same time. <laughs> and not taste, not, like, not taste like crap. That would be nice. Yeah. Alright, so part two of our closing remark statement. Okay, yeah. We we left off talking about um, Cartoon Network Reborn, and then we were going to talk about Vic. Yeah, um, before we get to that, I just want to read this bonehead Twitter comment that uh, Josh posted from House Minority Leader McCarthy. Quote saying... There are no mass shootings in Japan because there are no video games there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a verbatim quote. I think they're kind of like mocking him or paraphrasing. Because I did see the video, and he did try to like blame video games, but he didn't mention Japan. He was just like, oh, this guy had written in his manifesto that he wanted to have a Call of Duty-style kill list or something. I don't know if this is true okay. or not, but... Uh, yeah, I, he mentioned that specific game, but he didn't mention Japan or anything. But 
But yeah, I've seen a lot of people mocking them saying, like, well, what about all these other countries that have video games that don't have mass shooting? So, so it must be that America has all these guns. Yeah, there's... I mean, they develop games in, like, Russia, Ukraine, Europe. Um, I don't know if they ever make the argument that video games are tied to, like, these killings over there or these murders. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone ever tried to claim, like, the Russia-Ukraine war that's been going on for the last few years is because of video games. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. But you you never know. I mean, people come up with all kinds of weird explanations. Mm-hmm. All right, into part two. Um, so, yeah... Uh, kick Vic, or I stand with Vic, wherever people stand with that. Uh, they, uh, A&M put out his disposition, or disposition, is it disposition or disposition? I believe it's with an I. Dispo? So dispo disposition. Dis, okay, disposition. And, like, I've been, like, I try not to, like, watch these, like, uh, clickbait YouTube videos, like, the biggest one I've already been able to find was, like, that guy named Yellow Flash, and, because you go on there, and it's just, like, nothing but ad space. Do what? Uh, Yeah, I've heard of him, but he's been doing these videos for months about things. Yeah, and it's mostly, it's covering from, like, the side of, you know, how they're, you know, Jamie Marshy and Monica Real and that toy guy are, like manipulative and their facts are wrong and hypocritical and all this stuff. And yes. And and yeah, I'm sure I'm pretty sure there's like substantial truth behind that. That doesn't surprise me. But, um, to come out of this and say that Vic is completely innocent is also completely wrong too. Um, yeah. From what I've heard about like the anime news network articles that I've read about this subject, and I know they're being sued as part of all this, so they're probably not like a totally impartial source or whatever. But uh, they, they, so they said something like Monica had claimed that uh, Vic pulled on her hair and kissed her neck or something like that, and yeah, Vic admitted that he pulled on the hair but didn't do the other part or something. Like that. It, it, it was like, like oh, I play, I I kind of like you know playfully tugged on her hair like it wasn't violent or anything and this was something that happened years ago when they were working and to him that's the only thing related to that and then she comes up with this story about he basically almost raped her in a hotel room and supposedly that's got a bunch of plot holes in it um but here's kind of my thing that based on what Vic admitted to I'm kind of like okay because you can kind of follow the rabbit trail of like well if he's done this then who was to say that he that those other stories of him being the person that these people claim he is isn't true or there's some degree of truth to them and my thing for with for me um based on me being a christian also even though i may not act it sometimes on this podcast because i'm just being honest um is the fact that he did admit uh, in his disposition that he... And I don't know why he gave such a broad number of women that he slept with. There were oh. paid sex workers. From a number ranging from 5 to 50. And that's really? what... That's an even bigger range than the 30 to 50 more that I saw was trending on Twitter today. <laughs> that That's what a has claimed. And 
it's not just him admitting to that, but then his uh, they had like a statement from his ex, his ex fiance. Um, about the prostitutes. Yeah, so apparently she said that he would call her up, knowing and she can hear these other girls in his in his hotel room. Like I guess he's like calling her because he's wow. guilty or something. So it's my just like Bill Clinton tier sleazy, where he would sometimes be yes. on like the phone with like another country. And, like, while he's doing it, he's, like, getting his dick sucked by Monica. Like, and, and, and this was, like, being captured by, like, foreign intelligence agencies. And, and it's, like, he could be blackmailed with this kind of stuff. And, but, like, I, I mean, obviously with Vic, it's not, it's not, like, that level of seriousness. But, I mean, like, the fact that he would be on the phone with somebody while he's doing this is just, like, what has yeah. come back. I... He invented this. I, I guess for me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like sort of just figure out like how, like where he is at, and and with him admitting to it, there is truth. So right. it's not like it's one thing if he denied it, and you're like, okay, but then it's the thing that he was honest and did admit to this, and that's and you know, it's like you know, fine. But um, that kind of was like a okay. self-inflicted wound by Vic because it seems like he initiated this lawsuit against the people accusing him which is kind of the opposite of how these Me Too things usually go where usually there's like a victim and then they're pressing some kind of charges for sexual misconduct against the perpetrator but in this case Vic, uh, it seems like he is suing them for defamation against him but then he admits to doing it so what the hell well it seems like he's he's admitting to doing it I gotta get rid of these stupid zip recruiter text messages I, I, applied, I applied to like Six, five or six jobs before we started recording. That's all I've been okay. doing. Um, anyways, so for me, it's just kind of like, okay, dude. So you've admitted to whoremongering, basically. Um, uh-huh. And and I kind of okay. So the, like the the man is a Christian. Christians follow the Bible. The Bible has rules regarding um, sexual immor- immorality, which is including like homosexuality. Um, and including even like having sex outside of marriage. So in this case, you know, based on what I'm gathering off ANN, which I think out of all that whole disposition regarding fan interactions and whatever that I read, I was just curious about that. Um, cause I talked about him at other cons and I'm not, again, I'm not even really too sure like how truthful those are, but it would not surprise me. Uh, but it's the fact that, you know, apparently him and his fiance had a house together in LA. So he was already sleeping with her out and they weren't married. So they're, I don't know. Um, I, and I don't know why he would be engaged with someone for eight years. That That's just ridiculous. Like what, what are they waiting for? What could you be possibly waiting for? Just get, just elope and, and be a married couple and have sex within marriage. But I'm just saying this on the biblical principle because, this is what I believe, which is supposed to be the same thing Vic believes too. Yeah, he's definitely a hypocrite. Uh, I think maybe yes, in this regard, the alimony system where he doesn't want her to be able to divorce him and then take much of his assets because he's wealthy. Well, that man's got some got some hangups he's got to get over. Well, it kind of already ruined his uh, engagement to this to this girl, which I think it's according to how she wrote about him. It seemed like she really did care. And I honestly, it might have been her that broke up with, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about that, but. I've read some some other disturbing stuff on that article 
they mentioned that there was a, a story that went all the way back to like 1988 or something where he yeah. was uh, some some high school girl he like tried to lure her to his house uh, to watch like, like a Christian a music film. video yeah like a Christian music video tape and on her and it was like I think she had left or something and I don't think it was as far as him raping her or anything. Yeah, but and, and his it, and his remark is, well, I don't remember if I quit or got fired from that job. It's like, how, like, dang, how many jobs have you had? <laughs> yeah. I, it's kind of like, to me, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but like, it, in terms of people that are in the church ministry taking advantage of women, he's not the first, and he's certainly right. not the last. So you'll you'll often hear about this stuff with um, you know Catholic uh, priests uh, taking advantage of boys. Well, and I wasn't even thing. talking about that. I wasn't even talking about Catholicism. I'm talking about like Protestant and like the Baptist circles and yeah, yeah it, it's just yeah, it's well, it's, it's a, know, it's a weird like situation. More like Southern Christians will sometimes be going for girls that are younger than they should be. And using kind of like the religious authority, like Roy Moore, he was the guy who put the Ten Commandments outside of his courthouse and everything. And yeah, that, that's Christian. just straight up manipulation. Um, but I guess for me, it's just kind of like, okay, so you've admitted to not only, ch- you know, you're already having sex outside of marriage, but then you're cheating on the person you're having sex outside of marriage with multiple yeah. times. And there's the number could be more than that. So then it's kind of like, okay, I know this gives me a hint of your character. And now, granted, for me, it's just like, okay, dude, it's not, and to me, like, regarding his judgment, he's got to answer to God about this, and not really humankind, because it's God who's got to answer, he's got to answer to. Mankind's already, people have already judged him on earth, but it's, like, really the matter of, like, how God thinks of him, and, you know, there's repentance, but part of repentance is to not go back to that, that's part of repenting, and... The, and the thing is, it's like, okay, I, the thing is, I don't know if he's repented for that. I hope he does. I hope he has, and hope he, I hope he did. And I hope he's just like, you know, crap. I, I'm, in a way, it's like I'm, you know, need to get myself together. But it, that kind of really shows, like, okay, if he's done that, then that kind of makes like it makes those other stories very plausible. On people coming, like saying he's like invading, like being the way they describe him as being like a creep or whatever. And I got this one girl on Twitter that keeps calling back to us or quoting, um, basically like because it happened to her and she apparently found some video evidence of of, of the photo. Uh, I, I guess I like to see the actual video of it, but. I don't even know if that's going to paint like an actual picture or whatever. But there's, there's not just photographs, but also a video. It like it looks like she took screen caps of a video to prove that he was like oh, all on her or whatever. But like, I want to watch the How video in the context to, of when it was made at that point. How did they happen to have a, a video? Like, who who is this girl? I I don't know. Someone that got victimized by Vic at Animazement 2008. And here's the thing about the fan convention thing was that Kara Edwards, Vic was apparently going after her at that con. And the story, the way, so here's, here's my, um, yeah, here's, here's something else that is, I'm interested in. So like, I've been told this story about Vic, about how he got kicked out of animation from an animation staffer that we've talked about several times on this podcast. 
And it seemed like he wasn't there at the con by Sunday. And according to that Kara Edwards testimony, it seems like he might have still been there. It didn't really confirm it, but it didn't really confirm that he that he wasn't there either. So I don't know if the story that if I, what I was told was the actual truth or was I BS to. So Did that's kind of like about where where he was on Sunday or. Well, it sounded like she had she already had like a, a an idea of who he was like on Sunday, and I'm not sure if he was still. The, the 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 statement never stated that he was still at the con by Sunday because if he wasn't, then that would back up the story that I've been told that he was kicked out that Saturday and and was on his way back home Sunday. Because of the other thing where he had people and had those underage girls in his room and the con staff found out, and right. so I and right. I don't I don't know if that's I have no idea, man. I'm just I'm just going based off the the information and the evidence that's supported to me. And trying to test that with the, st- the knowledge that I know between the stories I heard about him and then what's coming out now and trying to see if those two even interlock with each other. And so far, those wires are very are, are not tying together, but they're crossing each other, not even meeting up a- in any way. So I don't know. Yeah. So this story was told to us uh, years ago before this whole scandal broke. Yeah, and uh, they told us that he was—he had these band girls that followed him around everywhere, and they followed him into the uh, the hotel room. I believe they called. Or he invited the, them up there. The Risen Bull Rangers, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, what happened in the hotel room, or if uh, he was like having sex with underage girls in there, or what happened. They, they apparently, he wasn't down. doing anything but being intoxicated. But even though on his disposition, he said he's never been intoxicated. So. I don't know. Never been intoxicated. Okay. But, I mean, now now that they're going to try to, like, find evidence of, like, someone's going to find video evidence of him drinking or something, you know? I don't know, man. Or maybe not. Maybe it's true. It's probably not yeah. even going to, yeah. So. But, I mean, like, it's hard to believe him when he says that now, like, after he pretended to be, like, Mr. Righteous, he he did all these Sunday school panels and everything, but then he's having sex with prostitutes all on the side. Yeah. So if he would lie about that, then why would he not lie about alcohol too? It, it, it all it all ties together. It's all now coming kind of together. Like based on just that statement, it's like, okay, if you admit it to this, then. The stuff again, like the stuff that people are saying about you, is is very plausible now than it was. Like, oh, there's no evidence to back it up. It's like it's actually more plausible now because you've already been dealing with this, your, you know, adulterous spirit or whatever, or your whoremongering or whatever for for a while, many years it seems like. And so this woman that he was engaged to, what were the years that they were together? It seemed like uh, 2010 to 2018. Okay, and did they break out because of the kickback scandal? Uh, or... It seemed like they broke up before that happened. Okay, that that scandal, was that only this year that started? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Because I know it's been going on for, for a few months now, but I forgot exactly when it began. Yeah. It... This is just stuff I've been kind of just mulling around in my mind. Because, like, I mean, part of me is like, you know, I'll give Vic the, the benefit of the doubt, sure. But... You know, based on just reading what I saw on A and M, and if it's in truthful facts of him saying that 
on his disposi- disposition, disposition, whatever. Now, kind of like, okay, all this other stuff is very plausible, even though there may not be evidence to it. Um, yeah. Um, I, I haven't watched very many of these YouTube videos, but I do remember you linked the one, um, and I think it was like a black guy who was talking about, like, he had some claim, like, Funimation was going to have to shut down over this, or he had some really hyperbolic kind of, like, claim about what was going to have to happen and how Vic was going to be vindicated and like, I, I don't know if this is Yellow Flash or whatever, it's probably someone else but oh, it man. seems like a lot of the people that make these videos about Vic trying to defend him are just fanboys and they they don't want to believe it about their yeah. idol and but... the thing is like you know, here's all this information coming out and Yellow Flash is just, oh look at the kick Vic side, look how crazy they are and it's like, look I understand I see that too I don't want. To, I don't. I can't trust him as far as I can throw him either. But right. the man has admitted to something that really shows his, his character that we ought to be focusing on a little bit more. And I, let's see if anybody's going to cover that because no one said anything about it yet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, people. Uh, it may not. The the the, the woman that was was making these accusations against him, uh, she was like tweeting at us a bunch. I think she was trying to get us to like come to her side and white knight for her or something. Well, it's the and, fact that what she said in Animazement, I said, the only thing I know about Vic was the story that we just told. Right. And, they have the secondhand story. And it's like, and do we, they match up at all? People, but it doesn't necessarily provide some sort of definitive evidence against him. No, it doesn't, but it's just kind of like trying to, like, okay, let's let's see if the, our stories somehow are inter, intertwined together somehow. It's right, like an investigation, and, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there have been many allegations against him on sites like Anime News Network or Forum, like people made all these, you know, people who try to get their art signed by him or, or, or what, what, take a picture with him or whatever, claim he acted creepy around them. And, and so a lot of people were like, well, how can anyone not believe this with all these victims? And I, I don't know if I can accept just random anonymous people on forums saying stuff, because I know a lot of people do hate the guy for being Christian. And for being against gay marriage and that kind of stuff, but uh, at the same time, you know, you know, at a certain point, stuff does start to add up. And like when people have photographic evidence, they start playing court about it. And like at, at some point, you know, like there's not much point in white knight for him or for the other side. You just gotta let it all play out and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the the truth is, like white knighting for someone isn't gonna excuse what they've done or their sin in the past. They have to. Like, you know, Vic, you gotta, if you haven't done it yet, and I hope you have, to go to the God that you said that you serve and that you submit under, and to repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness, and let God handle that with you. And you, that's how you get that kind of taken care of about yourself, and you work on yourself on that. And just kind of see what happens, because really it's you have to answer to God for what you have done. Because people are going to say, people already have their opinion. You can't change their hearts and their minds. But you have to answer to God in the end. And if you do that, and I, I hope he publicly states it or whatever, and I, if I ever meet the guy, look him right in the eye, and if I get that answer, I'm good. Because it's like, you know, if God can forgive him and he knows it, then, like, what's to say I can't? So, and I, I'm, like, the, to me, that's the biggest thing right there. Like, I, I that my judgment, my... And other people's judgments does not matter compared to what his God, what God, you know, if he's forgiven him or not, because if Vic has repented 
of his of his sins, basically. That's kind of my thing on this. And so again, he's got to answer to God about that. That's more. That's the biggest thing right now. And I don't know if he's done that or not. I hope. And again, I hope he has. And that's really all I got to say about it. Because as a Christian, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and, and obviously this kind of stuff's going to be private because I don't think he's going to be testifying about his religion as much before the court. Uh, so we can't really know what's in his heart or whether he's exactly. really a good guy or a bad guy or how he feels about what he's done or, you know, whether he's going to own up to anything. Like, we and, just have to let it play out. The best, but, uh, I mean, like, really my best opinion on Vic is, like, you know, he's about the best guy he can possibly be, but he's got some shit to deal with. Yeah. And... Yeah, I, I'm it, not sure if he did such a good job with tricking with Nick Rakita guy um, as his lawyer. I know that like he, he had somebody who chose to do a like a crowdsourced legal fund for him, and so he kind of had to go with that, right? Uh, but then was, I saw like an image of the Rakita document where he was submitting to the court, claiming that um, that they they were libeling him because. The, the other actresses had referred to Vic as a piece of shit and, and Rikita was like well it's impossible for a human being to be a literal composed of feces or something like this like you're not going to get a defamation uh, no. judgment based on a, that, that, a metaphorical that's just comment. fighting words right there that, there's a term for fighting words but like you know to say someone is a piece of shit like that's just like it's it's silly it's too silly to even count it and it's just it's just a, a verbal argument. It's just a verbal s- s- term for yeah. like you know just to like get out a, an aggressive opinion about someone. Basically, that's it. And it's fighting words essentially. Um, yeah, you know it's, it, it's different. It's like you know like oh you know you son of a bitch or whatever. Like, are you really yeah. the son of a bitch, or you know come from a something like that, or is it just a derogatory slang term to show like what you think of that person in anger at that moment, which is mostly the latter just about every time. Yeah. No, people I mean, say like, things they don't really mean. Yeah. Yeah, in terms like a bastard or whatever, you know, it may have like a historical meaning, but if you call somebody a bastard, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the child of an illegitimate uh, it's relationship. Just, it, yeah, words like that are either just adverbs or adjectives. Yeah. That's really what they are, and they're just like counted as swear words or naughty words you're not supposed to say until you're an adult, and then yeah. nobody care. It's supposed to care. I don't know, but a- anyways, it's, I mean, you know, I'm not com- and I'm not coming on this uh, this recording to show that I'm the better Christian over Vic or whatever. I'm like we're all the I have a pastor say this like we're I'm the worst sinner that I know, and you just got to focus on like you your relationship with God. And following the Bible and the commandments, and that's it. And getting plugged in with other believers that can, you know, help build you up, be a good, you know, support group there for your faith. So it's iron sharpening iron. It's building each other up. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if Vic has any of that. And I, I hope he does now. So that's, I'm being positive about the guy. Because I don't, I don't hate Vic. I, I sure, I, why should I? I mean, he's never done anything personal to me. I've never personally met the guy. I've seen him a couple of times, and that's it. That's all I know about him. But, like, based on how he perceives himself as a as a Christian in the public, and this stuff comes out about him, it's kind of like some of it's not shocking, but at the same time it's like, you know, dude, 
you really need to work on yourself. And, you know, like, it's... But you don't have to answer to me personally or anybody else. you got to answer to God about that, and that's what you should be focusing on. So I don't know if he'll ever hear this, but it's out there now. Yeah. Um, so you've never uh, talked to him you've just seen him, like, from a distance? I, I've been, like, I've seen him a couple times at Bonds Icon. I remember he was talking to guest staff, like, right by the hotel entrance because I had to ask him a question about something. Like, my first, the first year of Bonds Icon, and... I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go talk to the guy. I never did, and even though he was, like, right there. But I just remember him getting up and walking to, like, this one guy that I've always seen at cons off and on and getting a picture with him. And the, that, that just made that kid's day. And Vic, and Vic did it just, just because he wanted to. And, like, I've seen, like, that side of him. And that's all I've – and then, like, when he – you know, I'm – you know, he's in line. He's around people. Like, yeah, he's very professional and – really courteous and nice. So I guess like, you know, people do see this other side of him if you're female behind closed doors. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It's probably not every female either. So. Yeah. I mean, he's a human being and all human beings are fallen. And so they have, yeah, exactly. Things, so. Yeah. And all human beings need sex and really right. to have sex in a biblical context is to have, is to be married to the, to that person so I don't, yeah, I don't know how to take that really. I mean, I've I've already stated what I needed to state. So yeah, I I, I recently rewatched uh, Full Metal Alchemist, the original series, and uh, like I'm not going to boycott all Vic's old works or anything. And uh, I, it is interesting. We have the villains in that. There's, there's seven deadly sins. You have like greed, wrath, lust, pride, mm. and um, envy, and uh, sloth, and um, maybe there was another. I don't know if I named all of them yet, but uh, but you know, lust appears the most uh, often. Uh, I think of all of them, along with um, gluttony. Oh, that's the other one. And uh, she's kind of portrayed as the most sympathetic on some level, um, because uh, they they have like lost memories from their previous lives, and uh, they get turned into homunculus and everything, and. Uh, I think she ends up kind of siding with Ed, and um, so, so I mean, I guess lust is something that everybody kind of like feels, and it's kind of like an understandable sin in the sense that the human beings are made to feel this uh, attraction to people of the opposite gender. Well, and so I know there are commandments like don't covet your neighbor's wife, but what exactly constitutes coveting? Like, if you okay. see a woman that is attractive and you don't act on it and you can control your impulses. Okay. I don't really see how that's bad, but so, if you actually like cuck your neighbor or whatever, I can see that as being a problem. Well, okay, so Romans, I'm gonna, I'm giving you the, yeah, the term lust is not just sexual, which is how the church and culture has made it out to be for a very, very long time. Lust is coveting something. Coveting something is taking something and desiring something that does not belong to you. So it goes back to the tenth commandment on what covetous is. And then if you go to Romans 7, 7, it says exactly like I did not know what the law was unless it stated it, which is like I wouldn't have known. You know what? I'm going to read it verbatim right now because King James Version is actually the kick-ass version to read. So Romans 7, 7. All right, hold up. I ain't reading NIV. Screw that. Here we go. So 
says right so right here is what shall we say then is the law sin and god forbid nay i had not known sin but the what but by the law so whatever the law says so for i had not known lust except what the law has said thou shalt not covet so there's a clear definition right there of what lust is is coveting something it doesn't the bible god doesn't condemn people for desiring something but it's when it goes beyond a desire from like how you think something is attractive and beautiful and you admire it to like how you want it and you want it in ungodly means. So for an example, for sexual reasons, if you were to lust after a woman, it's beyond you thinking of her just as a sex object and how she's beautiful. No, you want to get in her pants and you don't want to, you don't want to have sex with her in the context of marriage, but you want to have sex with her to basically like to covet her, to, to satisfy yourself. But it's not in the context of marriage the way God has designed it. And so then that ties back directly to the Tenth Commandment right there regarding, like, thou shalt not cover your neighbor's, you know, wife, pro property, whatever. Because coveting is, again, stealing something. So, like, when you, because when you act on that, you're, you know, you have sex with someone outside of marriage, you're taking away, you know, for a woman, it's their virginity is their prized thing. And... Again, I can see that, you know, like people that, you know, have sex outside of marriage, they, you know, they, they bring that baggage with them to every other marriage and that does hinder them. And I think people that say that that's not an issue either, or, you know, they're lying to themselves or I don't know what's wrong with them, but so. Yeah. Uh, did you see this comment by Miley Cyrus about um, virginity is a social construct, what you were saying the other day? Well, she's Everything also a very considered a social construct now. Even if it's a blatantly obvious, like, well, ask her how happy like, she is with banging all the dudes. Actually, ask her if she's really happy, and you'll get your answer. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a, yeah, the, so. Yeah, the church has kind of skewed this, where it's like, oh, lust is automatically sexual. No, it's not. Like, it's coveting anything, and. You got the Bible, you got the, the scripture, and I think it was like Matthew 5 or something, where Jesus talks about, you know, if your right hand, you know, um, you know, I'd say to you, you know, you've heard do not commit adultery, but if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, then you already have. Because there's a heart issue right there that you're coveting someone. It's not from the brain, it's from the heart. And Jesus said this, the Son of God. <laughs> so... And it's not just, and that he didn't define lust as just straight sexual. It's just like if you covet, coveting anything, it comes from the heart if you lust after it. So that that it, it's a plain, clear definition right there. But it's yeah. but like yeah, it is it is cultural that like they you know lust is automatically de, you know described as like automatically sexual, which is not entirely which is not true, not entirely true. So I hope that kind of makes sense there, because I've I've had I've been reading on people that actually like talk about this stuff that again churches do not go into, and they preach from the pulpit about the same thing you've heard growing up just to condemn men and their sexuality. And you wonder why it, feminism is coming up the way it be. Anyways, that's a whole other discussion for another time. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I guess we can kind of say into uh, the Democrat debates because I've noticed that this candidate Pete Buttigieg is always in. Invoking uh, the Bible, and, and in the first debate, he oh made some comment to the effect of, um, "God made me the way I am, so if Mike Pence has a problem with me, and Mike Pence has never singled him out and attacked him for sexuality or anything, 
is constantly trying to pick a fight with Mike Pence. Huh. He never said anything when. But um, then you must be uh, against God. And, and then in this new one, he said, uh, you so-called Christian conservatives uh, can't tell us that uh, God would be a Republican because the uh, minimum wage has to be $15. It's in the Bible. <laughs> and it's just like, what is this guy's trip? Like, he just, he's like invented this new sort of like secular democratic Bible or whatever, where like every policy proposal or lifestyle choice that he makes yeah, is that, some, that, that somehow is... like biblical, even though he never invokes some sort of verse or anything. He just, he just says it and they were supposed to he, believe like this. Yeah, well, the, what was it? He, he misquoted, he mistook that, he misquoted a verse regarding helping the poor or whatever. But he's like, yeah, see this, this one verse definition is why we should have the pay gap or the minimum wage of $15 an hour. It's like, no dude, you're reading that out of a, out of context and B, you're, you know, basically like misusing this, the word of God to your own benefit. You're no different than a freaking televangelist at that point or a prosperity preacher or whatever. And it's like, if yeah. anything, I think the best verse regarding this government money and what people earn. So when Jesus said, give to what's give to Caesar, what is Caesar and give to God, what is God? So what my first thought would have been. And I remember Prager, Prager, you did a video uh, shoot like recently about kind of proving that the Bible is, has a lot of capitalist messages to it. And it's true because it does talk about money and the people that have used their money to invest in it, the people like there's the parable stories where Jesus talks about the, the three people that got money and two of them went out and did something with their money where they tried to invest to get more money. And the person that gave it to him was very pleased by them because they went out to prosper what the, what little they were given. And then the person that hid his money was considered a fool because he didn't do anything with it. He didn't do anything with his gift or his generosity that was given to him by the person who gave him the money in the first place. So it kind of shows that like, capitalism is really like it is in the Bible, like at least in that sense regarding, you know, you take what you earn and but you go out and try to make more with what you have and what you've been what has been given to you, which is why, you know, Trump took the few million dollars he had and created the empire that he has today, just based off of that, because he wanted to continue to grow it. Yeah. So I think what Buddha judge would say here is he would try to claim that this, this is it claims that, that Jesus favors Keynesian economics and that, uh, this would show that, uh, you have to get people spending during a recession and you can't have people just uh, hoarding their money or something because Jesus wouldn't want that or, or another thing I hear a lot from uh, left-wing, uh, well, I wouldn't even say necessarily left-wing Christians, but Christians who are trying to sort of, ga uh, leftists who are trying to gaslight Christians into supporting left-wing policies uh, by by saying, like, oh, well, look, Jesus pushed the uh, money lenders out of the uh, temple. Uh, this proves that he's he's against these greedy big bankers and we have to break up the banks. You know, some, somebody like Bernie Sanders who's not a Christian. Bankers aren't this. doing their crap in churches, dude. They're doing it in their own places. Like, if you, the Bible is so simple to understand if you read it at the face value, if you just use basic common sense that God has given everyone, that we like to F that up so much, and you read it based on what is just right in front of you, and, just, and when you connect it and think about it just a little bit, if you don't have any kind of agenda, which is what a lot of these people do, then they're like, oh, that makes sense. 
it's not that dealing money is bad. It's that the people were doing it in the house of God, which is what ticked Jesus off in the first place. Because that's not what the church is made for. To have all the, maybe a marketplace and a swin, place of swindlers or whatever. Which is why I kicked them out. And But they, if they took their business outside the church, that's perfectly fine. It's it's the matter of like the context of why they were there to do that in the first place. And it was less about getting closer to God, getting closer to his fellowship, and more about like... You have to, you know, pay for this, or this is how we, like, turn this place into a flea market or whatever. It's the context of how that scripture was written that you have to look at it through the whole prospect of it. And, again, these people that, like, just misquote scripture like that are no different than televangelists. <laughs> right, and I think probably that parable is intended, well, obviously it's not directly intended about televangelists, but it can apply to them. Because you can see that the, these guys are kind of making a racket out of uh, out of their churches and like yes. exploiting people with false faith healing yeah. and stuff, like making people pretend that they're crippled and then have them stand up in the audience to get uh, donations from the other the parishioners and that sort of thing. Yeah, there, there's I can't think of this guy's name. I don't want to think about his name, but like he's they, he had something on his show um, where he was instilling fear for people to support him to buy these, like, nasty-ass, like, instant food buckets to prepare them for when, when the apocalypse happened, when Jesus comes back. But you got to give money to be prepared to survive the tribulation years or whatever. And you're instilling fear, which the Bible clearly says, fear not. <laughs> so, But you use that to get basically, like, dope old people, like, into fear to support your ministry to buy crap that just looks disgusting. That's going to help you, like, when the earth ends, that we don't know when it may happen in your lifetime or the next one. Yeah. So, what does it what does it matter? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just thinking about all the kinds of rackets that people will do where they'll, like, you know, going back 20 years now, the whole Y2K thing where uh, people were kind of preying on these elderly uh, yeah. people and t telling them that the, the all the nuclear weapons were going to go off at the turn of the morning. Planes you know? are going to fall out of the sky when the cl digital yeah. clock hits midnight or, you know, zero, zero. And yeah. I remember I remember news reports going in airplanes and like, okay, we're going to film the clock. We're, we've manipulated the clock in the plane to when it hits New Year's Eve and we're going to see if it just completely shuts down. And it hit one one zero zero, and the plane flew fine. It was going in a straight line, ten thousand feet above sea level. And the guys were like, "Yeah, it's fine. It's not going to crash. Nothing's going to happen." So, but they they put that stupid fear for uh, that whole year of ninety nine. I remember that, and it wasn't yeah. just like Y two K. It was like, you know, the rapture, the end times, like. Yeah, I mean, they did that stupid James Cameron Left Behind movie. Actually, not that bad of a movie, but um, they did that. Like, it's yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's just. <sighs> I've seen a clip of Alex Jones talking about Y2K, where he was saying that uh, he didn't really buy into it until it was about to happen, and then his radio station that he was on, or TV station, because he's on like some sort of public access in Austin. Mm -hmm. And uh, before he moved to the internet and Infowars.com and YouTube and all that, uh, and and, and they, they, the station was telling him like, 
we really got to be pushing this. This is like a lucrative thing. You've got to be telling people that the world's going to end. And, and he's like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and, and he claims like, oh, this is like my one regret or whatever. But, but are we supposed to believe that he hasn't done this a million other times? Where he'll play up some total bullshit story and claim like this is the end of everything. Like that, that if you look at his his videos titles when he was on YouTube, or the you know, article titles on his website, he's always doing that kind of crap. Where he he'll like make a mountain out of a wall hill, and everything is some doomsday scenario. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I know he does claim to be a Christian and everything, but he takes advantage of his audience with the fake news kind of stuff. It's yeah, it, it it doesn't. I mean, like with Alex Jones, it's like okay, this guy is. I mean, we've we've said this before. Where okay, I understand he's he's full on crazy, right? But and I understand that I understand he's a total pile of crap. But in every pile of crap, my my philosophy on this, as limited as it may be, um, is that there's usually a nugget, of, a small nugget of truth throughout that pile of crap somewhere. Yeah. There's a jewel in that pile of disgusting crap. So yeah. it's not it's not that everything he says is 100% BS. But there is some there is some like somewhat logical truth into what the, some of the things he says that you have to really kind of look and cipher through that like diarrhea crap whatever that's pulling out, that's coming out of his butt. Right. But it, it's some of it does get the like, stuff that like that does get through, and you can kind of make like okay, yeah, there is there is truth of what you're saying, but again, he, a lot of it is making a, a mountain out of a molehill, and <laughs> it's because the molehill is really the truth, and you're just kind of like exasperating it. Uh-huh. So, like, which is how he gets to be the the speaker that he is, and how you know. Yeah, yeah. I, um, it, but like for uh, me, like part of me, I don't discredit. I don't discredit before. every single thing that he says because I can have to filter it. And I'm like, okay, Alex, I, I know where you're getting at here. I, yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes he'll say stuff that's, that's not true, and sometimes he'll say stuff that is. And I don't think anybody should be treated the way he has been by the internet companies and the, the social media giants and everything, where they all they, they all just unperson him on one day. Oh, in the middle of the night, they all just decide we're, we're just going to remove this guy uh, from the internet and and ruin his business, yeah. which he's built up over over decades. Um, he, I, I don't approve of that at all. But and, and, yeah, I mean, you do have to be kind of careful of them and not just find everything he says. And a lot of people probably watch him for entertainment value, but then there are people who watch him and like take his every word seriously yeah. as well. I think that uh, like his, his story about how nine eleven happened is true or whatever, when not necessarily the case. But uh, but yeah, uh, there's there's lots of people like that that you know that that are using fear to sell stuff. And, uh, but at the same time, you you do have to have people who can discuss things that that could cause fear because there are things that you should legitimately be afraid of, right? I mean. Like when Alex Jones starts breaking down and crying during the uh, the Syrian missile strikes, uh, and he uh, seems like legitimately emotional because he's afraid this could lead to some sort of nuclear war with Russia. I think that's totally reasonable because this is uh, an area where Russia has troops and like uh, 
uh, we didn't know if they were going to be out of there in time, but it turned out we had a president who was willing to tell Putin, like, we're going to bomb that place at this time, and we don't want to have World War Three. But we never knew that that would happen because we didn't have a president like that before. Mm-hmm. Other presidents would have just uh, would have just done it, and they would have been like, "Oh, this is proof I'm a real man." You know, Obama he was so weak that he would have done this and tried to prove he was masculine or whatever, and uh, killed some Russians or whatever, and it could have caused a big problem. But Trump just like knows we have to get along with them and have their powers. But you know, like during a crisis situation like that, it's a reason sometimes for people to be afraid. So a lot of people will say like. Oh, uh, you know, all these fear-mongering right-wing radio shows, they need to be shut down because they're just exploiting people. And, you know, maybe there's some truth to that, but it's not its not the entire truth, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess we should get back into the debate because we only really talked about Buttigieg. Oh, well, this is, but... this. I mean, shoot, this is exactly what we want, I wanted to get into on Closer Remarks. So yeah. uh, we're... T- we're doing it right for a podcast that hopefully, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as well as Buddha Judge, there there were other people there. Um, some something like twenty people. Yeah, like ten at each debate, and uh, they they removed this character Swalwell, who was in the first debate. Uh, this guy was uh, the one who uh, Chuck Todd asked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 400 million guns in America. Tell us how you plan to confiscate them. And like that's like the media's idea of like an objective question. Uh, but this guy was running on a gun confiscation, and um, uh, and uh, he had at one point been told by uh, this character, uh, Joe Bob Biggs, who is not the movie review guy from um, <laughs> from TNT. <laughs> yeah, he's not the movie review guy from the 90s, but he's like some a conservative guy that's since been banned on there because he was playing some anti-Antifa march in Portland or something, and uh, and Twitter decided that can't be allowed. Uh, but, yeah, at the time, he, he this Biggs guy was like, uh, tell me how you're planning to take away my gun, I'm not going to let you, or something like that. And then, uh, and then the, this guy responded saying, well, you, you know, if you try to resist... Uh, it's not going to go anywhere because uh, the government has nuclear weapons. And so it was sort of like implied like if gun owners try to protect their Second Amendment rights uh, against unconstitutional gun grab of the federal government, then uh, then we'll just nuke them. So we're going to nuke our own people on our own soil in our own country just to stop somebody with a gun. Yeah, and that's like, that's that's another case of making a mountain out of a molehill. The only thing about shootings that happen in this country, it's too many, sure. But uh, the amount of people who die from that versus the amount of people who die from a nuclear strike is pretty small, right? Like, <laughs> if you nuke to, like, San Francisco or something, or, well, maybe in San Francisco there aren't too many guns to confiscate, but, you know, that's the area that Swallow's from, you know, if you nuke to some district. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people would die. Millions of people would die. So, like, what kind of solution is that for the gun? <laughs> So obviously this guy went nowhere. Nobody wants to nuke their own country. So he was polling at like zero to one percent, and then he was the first one to drop out. And I'm glad he's gone. <laughs> um, and he got replaced by some guy called Steve Bullock from Montana. And uh, I don't think that guy's going to go anywhere either. He's, uh, you know, he, he was trying to get in there and make some comments, and he seemed more like a 
centrist, middle of the country, Democrats running in basically a red state, but uh, was trying to say, oh, look, I'm a populist guy. I fought off the Koch brothers in my state and special interests and all that stuff. And, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Uh, there's a bunch of other people that were also trying to be moderate. and uh, Like this John Delaney guy who is supposedly like the youngest um, hedge fund operator, they said. Uh, he didn't look that young to me. I don't know, maybe he started a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I know that there was this character on Twitter called Jacob Wool that was a hedge fund operator. And uh, he is famous for um, being kicked off of the hedge fund New York Stock Exchange in like age 19 or something for fraud. And then he, uh, then he tried to create this fraudulent Me Too scandal against Robert Mueller. And uh, he got banned from Twitter for operating all the accounts that would boost his account. He's this clown that was uh, always talking about how he would overhear at a hipster coffee shop all these Democrats talking about how much they love Donald Trump. Uh, oh my gosh. But, but uh, Delaney is not quite as cringe as Wool. Um, but he was trying to, he kept trying to jump in and criticize like Warren and Sanders for being unrealistic because they have all these plans for, like he was criticizing the Green New Deal. Because uh, it'd be so expensive, and um, um, like I saw some estimate that thirty trillion or something. And, I mean, it's just, it's just not going to happen. It's it's way too expensive, and it would involve totally taking over the economy. And AOC's uh, chief of staff even admitted this: that it's not about the climate; it's about implementing communism in America. Exactly. Yeah. And that guy has since left because he he started attacking this like lesbian. MMA fighter, Native American woman of color that was a, like a congresswoman from Kansas, and he was like saying uh, she may not be a racist, but her voting record is racist, and she's enabling a racist system. And this is like a Democrat woman that just got elected a few months ago, and then the House Democrats Twitter account went after him, and they were like, "Keep her name out of your mouth" with a clap emoji between each word, and. Mm-hmm. Like, and then this guy now he's gone because I guess he was too much of an embarrassment for AOC, and if you, <laughs> such an embarrassment that even AOC thinks you're an embarrassment. Like that's really, that's really embarrassing. So wait, this was that like Pakistani-looking guy that was like her chief of staff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was like I think he's Indian, but yeah. Oh, I was just like, oh, she's got a little boy toy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's. I think she's single, isn't she? I could be wrong about this. But, I, but she's always cooking at her apartment, and I've never seen any of these like live train clips I've seen. Oh, I've never seen a man in there. I'm pretty sure she's single. Like, I don't know what guy could put. I mean, what normal guy could put up with her? Like, I, it would have to be like some sort of like toy boy, soy boy, like petty looking dude or. I don't know, like, submissive-looking guy that would have to, like, oh, yes, sweetie, because he'll ride, like, oh, I'm I'm in, you know, in a relationship with, like, a no-name, um, you know, a political person. Like, I'm riding the cocktails for this as long as she's in office. I've got it made. I don't care how this relationship goes. Like, that's kind of, like, the best guy that she's going to get. So, because yeah. she don't want anybody, no, she don't. She acts like she don't want, and it's probably true that she don't need no man or want no man to to tell her what to do. 
or uh, to lead her, her in any way. So she's not going to submit to any guy like that, and no guy's going to put up with her. Normal yeah. guy, that is. And she, she is young, so I don't want to like completely uh, make this judgment at this point, but she does seem to me like somebody who could be like a Merkel or a Theresa May. But you look at these female leaders in Europe, and they're like 60 or 70 years old, and they've never had a boyfriend. And it's like they're so committed to their ideology that that becomes like their entirety. And they, and they can't consider like the real world comp you know, complications of if they have a suicidal migrant policy like Merkel or if they completely bungle the Brexit negotiations like May or whatever because they're just so committed to these ideas or whatever that don't don't actually work in the real world and and they don't they don't understand how other human beings work. They're so autistic that they don't they can't interact with a with a man at like a normal level. Yeah, it's there's a it's sort of a nature thing where it's like you know, I, the males are the dominant ones, and they're it's you know guys want you know a woman. It's not you know a woman that you know they can just beat down on and, and beat the crap out of. And there are some really bad guys out there like that. But you know, that, like let's take for example the, the I'll bring up the Bible example where you know woman is is, is for made for man, not the other way around. So, like, the woman is the man man's helper. So, like, a guy would naturally want to be with a woman that's going to help him and help him be a better man so that he may lead and provide for, for someone that for to be his wife or whatever. And, you know, when you got a woman that's just, like, you know, trying to compete with men and trying to be, like, you know, t- you know top, you know, top dog or whatever above men, they, they're not very they're not very attractive to like guys that you know are looking for a spouse like that because they're like i know i'm not going to get my like it's not really my getting my way but it's like i know when this woman makes a decision she wants to be right all the time even though she isn't so that's going to be hard for me to even work with somebody or even compromise with someone like that so most women that are powerful, like they don't want to s- submit to a guy or even compromise with them when they want to be right all the time, and you can't yeah. have a healthy relationship like that. Yeah, I think that this stuff goes goes kind of fundamentally against human nature. Exactly, the whole women's the women's live concept. Uh, if you, if you look at the the fertility rates in this country since that movement in the '60s and the, and the movement of women into the workforce. Um, it's it's gone way down because women have, have devoted themselves to their to their bosses and uh, to their work and everything instead of to their family. And uh, I was watching the um, the Tucker Carlson speech at the National Conservatives Conference earlier today, and he was talking about the uh, the Elizabeth Warren um, book called The Two Income Trap. And so Warren wrote this book, I think probably in the nineties, before she realized she had a kind of political career. Um, about the effect that it's had on women to enter the workforce and how uh, the standard of of living is not really improving as much as it could be. Like, people, both parents have to work, but they're they're working, like, two jobs for all these hours, Mm -hmm. and they can't spend enough time with the kids, and then the kids become delinquents because they don't have a father or mother around. And, And so she was kind of criticizing the effects of women's lib and saying that this has not really actually worked out that well for families. 
because the children don't have a, a mother around as much as they should, and that instead of the state just kind of raising children and trying to brainwash them at school, uh, with you know, gay stuff aimed at like preschoolers or whatever, and you know, so it, 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 I mean, obviously Warren didn't bring that up because it was written in the '90s before they were doing the line in school, but but that's like effectively what's happening now, mm-hmm. and so these kids they don't have like a male role model or whatever. And so, like, boys that told from, like, day one, like, you, you're you bad if you're, if you're, you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, adrenaline running through you, and you you want to play in class instead of sit there and listen to stuff, you need to take Adderall, uh, you know, and just, in general, they get emasculated, and yeah. uh, then they end up thinking that they're actually a woman, uh, and changing their gender. Yeah, so, and, they, and they make them feel like they're a piece of shit, and, yeah, yeah that's, like, kind of a goal for feminism is to like you have to demasculate men so then you're over them to show that they're they're worthless and that just spits in just you know not only in a biblical biblical belief of that but like kind of just nature itself um yeah and i don't yeah i am gonna say it how it is so i don't care who disagrees with me on that so but Warren, Warren has really backtracked on a lot of this stuff. She doesn't talk about that anymore, obviously. Cause oh no, because it doesn't fit her current current agenda. Agenda, of course. Yeah, and if you look at the stuff she was writing, which is an academic, because you have to be like on some level a little more objective uh, than if you're a politician and you can just say anything, you know, peer reviewed. You just say it on the debate stage, and people just believe you. Uh, she she was she used to be in favor of like charter schools, for instance. And now he says they're racist, you know, even though oh, they deliver better results to black people than public. They do. Yeah. Charter schools are not racist because I've been to, I've been to like private and charter schools that had either half or majority of, of blacks in them or of other races or whatever. So, and it could just be that, you know, people that happen to be white make a better income to support, to put these kids in that school than, than, than other races. I mean, that could be it too. But yeah, it's kind of like if you I have the that, money to put your kid in these schools, then that that should be fine, you know. Yeah, if you actually look at the areas where they're, they're the most prevalent, uh, it actually is in black communities like um, New Orleans, for example. The public school system kind of collapsed after Katrina, and uh, then they implemented charter schools and it's had better results. Yeah, and if you look at like Milwaukee and uh, Detroit, I think as well, maybe. Uh, Harlem, you have charter schools that have been set up in these areas, and and, and, it, and it does better for the students because there is some level of more competition and choice, which results in better outcomes than a top-down state-driven approach with public yeah. schools where they have just a monopoly. Uh, yeah, so, public schools are, are a, a, a terrible system. Yeah, and they need to be eradicated. But it's where yeah, most of, that's where most of the pay goes, unless like somebody gets a really good-paying job at. A charter school that's well funded, but if it's not, then teachers are going to be paid like crap there. Where they might as well just like, well, I'd rather just put up with you know crappy students and make ten thousand dollars more a year. Yeah, and, and I'm not completely defending the charter school system, and that I've been to charter schools that are real good, uh, like uh, Brent Gings in uh, Arizona is great. Uh, but I've also been to charter schools that are real crappy, like the Turkish charter school. <laughs> They, well, they do engage in a lot of just, nepotism and graft and stuff there, where they're doing like no don't big do, contracts. Out of don't Turks. trust anything that the Turks come up with. That's all you got to. <laughs> that's the lesson. Uh, but yeah, anything 
anything that is created by the Ottoman Empire, you stay far away from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to uh, show, so... today in class, we're going to show you how the Turks are the greatest nation on the earth because we conquered all these nations as the Ottoman Empire, like Greece, and sent all these people away out of their country to go migrate somewhere else because that's how good we are. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not like white people did that to Indians anyways. Everyone likes to screw each other over. That's history. History yeah, in a nutshell. I'm sure that uh, countries like Greece would probably not allow the Turks to uh, set up charter schools in that country. Yeah. Yet, yeah, no kidding. They, they don't like how uh, they took over all these ancient Greek cities and uh, illegally occupying Cyprus for the last 45 years. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, even even there, though, uh, you do get some interesting stuff. Like, I remember uh, I drank homeroom one day. Uh, the professor just decided to uh, play this, like, Turkish uh, pro-life film about, like, the way a, a baby develops or something like that. And then some, like, statistics at the end about abortion. And, and he was just, like, kind of, like, oblivious to the concept that this would even be controversial in the U.S., because <laughs> I guess abortion is probably illegal in Turkey or something but uh, yeah and then you do see like the Turkish uh, kids they're kind of like objecting to evolution being taught in class and stuff so I mean I think a lot of liberals think like oh we'll just bring in these Muslims and it'll be like this sort of multicultural paradise and, but <laughs> I mean uh, they're actually probably more conservative than the, the Republicans they're trying to replace with them <laughs> yeah really I mean, no. then again, I mean, Turkey gave us some really fine bootleg films like Turkish Star Wars, Turkish Rambo, Turkish Superman, Tur Turkish Spider-Man, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. Fine quality bootleg films. And I yeah. can't knock them for that. Yeah, I did have some fun watching Turkish films in like Turkish class where they would sometimes just show us movies and sometimes it would be like a Turkish star of an English movie like uh, Kung Fu Panda or Madagascar. Or sometimes it would be uh, like just a, uh, like a Turkish comedy, and I remember there was one where these uh, Turkish uh, characters were like they found out about uh, poor people in Africa, and they decided to send them some porn or something so that they could <laughs> experience movie or something. Uh, I, I think the people in Africa have already figured out like breeding because there's such an AIDS ep epidemic there; they don't care. <laughs> I don't think they need education about money. Yeah, they they're they're more like um, I mean, it's really a society where like the more children you have, the more you're like you're more like elevated higher in the society. Um, yeah, you know, based on like tribe mentality, where like you know a husband will have three or four wives in a polygamous relationship, but that's really to kind of keep his his offspring, his his um his genealogy to go keep going. You know, he has all these kids. And that kind of like in a social status, okay, that I'm, I'm a well-established person because I can provide and, and afford three different wives and, you know, have all these children with them. And, you know, we have all this land and, you know, I'm a very prosperous person, you know, a king or whatever. And that is kind of the, you know, for the longest amount of time um, and then in sort of like in the world, uh, that's how you know, people were like, you know, people with higher social status had more wives because they could provide for more. And 
You know, they yeah. can provide for more women. It's like, well, I like this girl and this girl. Well, I can't decide, so I'll just take them both. And I yeah. will provide for them and love them equally just as the other wives that I have. And it's yeah. just like, hey, man, you're you're doing the biblical um, <laughs> script of, or the being biblical and regarding being fruitful and multiply, and you're within marriage, so... I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna knock that. So we, we we did talk about this on a podcast before. We have like, explained like how the uh, institution of monogamy uh, came about is being associated with Christianity. I know there are offshoots like Mormonism that had uh, polygamy up until only about 150 years ago, and they only got rid of it because they wanted to um, join the union, and it was like a condition. And so they just said, "Well, we just received a new message from God, and He says that uh, polygamy is now forbidden." At a very well, convenient time, but, uh, but I mean, there's people. I mean, it, was, it went back further, where like I think even during the Middle Ages, you, you didn't have polygamy. As far as I can, as far as I can tell, it would seem like it was monogamy was more promoted during um, the Roman Empire when they were when Jews were coming over to Rome, and you know these you know, these Roman guards or whatever saw all this, and they're like. I guess it just offended them that, like, you know, these guys have more women and wives than they do, and I'm not sure, but that's when they kind of instituted it, but, like, the, a lot of the things that Western culture takes from regarding, like, our establishment and, like, you know, our um, culture kind of comes from things that Rome has done for the Western world um, yeah. in terms of, like, you know, we look at, like, these, like, great monuments that we have in Washington, D.C., these pillars. Their designs are based on Roman architecture going back a thousand years ago, fifteen hundred years ago, or whatever, and but I mean, like, there's people, there's people that have been mulling over the Bible that I kind of keep up with, and like, I have to agree that, like, you know, they're showing that, hey, you know, our society and culture does condemn polygamy, but biblically speaking, there is no con- God does not condemn it. There's rules on it, on you know, like that God does allow it, but it's only in a, like in sort of certain context. Because a lot of the main founders and, and great people that we've looked back, that we, like Christians look upon as like, you know, great founders of the faith and the genealogy of Jesus were all had many wives. And there's this excuse. It's like, oh, well, that was just a sin God overlooked. It's like, well, God never considered it a sin to begin with. So, and, and, and there's yeah. evidence to prove that in the Bible. So then you have to be like, okay, as a Bible-believing Christian, am I going to condemn something that God doesn't condemn? And so that's kind of like your answer right there. And and now it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, people don't want to do it because it's like, I don't want to get chastised in my culture for being a polygamist or whatever because it's so looked down upon. And it's, it's kind of like, for me, it's just like, look, if you want to put up with more than one woman and you can provide for them and then everyone gets along somehow... Go for it. It doesn't. It doesn't personally involve affect me at all. Yeah. And again, biblically speaking, God said, "Be fruitful, fruitful, and multiply." I mean, like common sense is well. The more women I have, the more sex I have. Therefore, more children I have. So therefore, I'm fulfilling the the commandment of God a lot quicker than if I was to have one wife. And it's just like it's kind of like a no duh like kind of concept to that. And when you really think about it, you don't add like a cultural concept behind that in a condemning way. It's just kind of like, well, duh. Yeah. If I had more women, I can have more sex, more children. There you go. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a simple, to me, it's just very simple, but it's like, 
you know, like there's you know, all these studies and statistics that come out like, oh, millennials can't even afford to date each other. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know. Like, anyways, it's like, look, man, I'm worried about me trying to get a good job and finding a right woman to get married to. And I'm good with that. That's, that's where my heart's at, you know? And it's like, if it is God's ultimate will for me to have more than one wife and not get in trouble by the government, fine. But I highly doubt that's going to happen. So I ain't worried about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, this is I just remember... based on like my perspective on things. So again, my, it's just kind of like me, how I, how I look at the Bible and it is right there. So I'm just saying, go ahead. Yeah. I remember a few, a few months ago, uh, media matters, uh, dug through a bunch of old, uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, appearances on the bubble lunch, love sponge show, uh, trying to destroy him uh, with things he said, uh, like 15 years ago. Mm. And, uh, one of the things I found was like, he was talking about the, uh, the Mormon polygamists, uh, that still exist in the, uh, upper part of Arizona and the lower part of Utah. Um, I think it's called Colorado City, even though it's mm-hmm. not in Colorado. Uh, and uh, it, this guy, Warren Jeffs, and he had, like, this compound, um, and uh, it's like a fundamentalist offshoot of the, the Mormon church that didn't accept when uh, the main church banned polygamy. And so this guy had, uh, he was, like, arranging marriages for his, um, you know, flock, as it were. And, and he was telling them, like, uh, you know, this would be a good woman for you. And so many of the guys had, like, multiple women. And I think that this, this it, the fact that this guy was doing this, and it's like it's like one guy and his group of people in like a small city in the desert. It, it, it in no way really affects the broader society. Like uh, the the Mormons that I knew in Phoenix were, were never uh, pulling this or anything. This was this is not like a ma- mainstream practice among Mormons. But this this became such a big scandal because. They made like a TV show about it, I think, called Big Love, which I've never seen. But it's supposed to be about some Mormon polygamy issues. I think it was on HBO or Showtime or something like this. Uh, It ran many seasons. Uh, And then this guy, eventually he had some big trial. And and Tucker was essentially defending the guy and saying, like, you know, they have their own customs out there and they're you know, maybe some of the stuff is weird, but the people are accusing him of pedophilia, but he, you know, arranged a marriage for some women that were, you know, 16 or 17 with adults. And so they were a breeding age. And traditionally that is an age where people have children. If you look back centuries ago, uh, you know, and women have developed at that point, it's above the age of consent and, probably in that state and in other states. Yeah. And if their parents sign off on it, uh, then it's legal. So I'm not entirely sure why this was supposed to be something that would end Tucker's career or whatever, but people really went after him over it and uh, tried to boycott him again, as they've done many times. But but it is something that has happened throughout history, and you can look at just biological reasons, like people want to find young, attractive brides that they can have many children with, and if you can have many such brides, then that's sort of the ideal situation for, for a man, because then you get to spread your seed as much as possible. Yeah. Which is, it's a like an innate biological imperative that all life forms have. Designed by God. species cannot continue. Yes. Um, 
that's one of the core verses of yeah, the Bible. Yeah, well, there's also regarding, like, there's really no, like, age of consent listed in the Bible. The only kind of thing related to that is when a woman um, kind of blossoms into, into uh, you know, a girl blossoms into a woman. There's a there's passages to kind of, like, state that, too. I can't think of, can't think off the, off the top of my head, but there's, like, a description where a guy... Um, you know, takes care of a girl and then he winds up marrying her when she's reached, you know, like her, her, you know, begin becoming like into a woman and being sexually desirable. And usually biologically, like women have hit puberty about the same time between the ages of like, you know, 11 or 12 to, you know, 14 or so. And that's kind of like them developing and, and men develop that time too. It's kind of like, it's this innate thing where we develop at a certain time because it's by nature that God has made in, in, in humans. And really, I think like, you know, like to me, like, you know, if you, if you desire sex with the, op, with the opposite, you know, with the opposite sex for breeding, then, you know, by then, you know, you are ready, you're, you know, you are ready to, you know, have a family and, and have sex with this woman because you're like in your prime and you're, you know, developing your feelings and you just want to have, sex all the time it, it what's interesting to me is uh, there's the thing is people claim child pornography but there's there's no standard there's no like here is the law here is the rule that everyone can agree with it's based on opinion so how would you define child like you know porn like to me it's like okay well if it's a kid you know based on opinion it's like okay it's a kid that hasn't developed sexually that you're looking at sexually like to me that's kind of messed up because they don't know what the concept of those desires are but, you know, if you're saying, like, oh, it's child porn of the, you know, kids 15 or 16, well, by then, they've they've had, they've experienced their sexuality for a couple of years. They kind of know how their body is, or they're learning about it, and they and they desire it. There's a desire for sex. So, it's like kind of like, yeah, they are ready. And you can, you know, women at 15 and 16 can get pregnant because their bodies are, des- are developing that way. So it's kind of, and even like in the Jewish community, like a man wasn't a man until he was 13 because by then he was already sexually able to produce, to make children by then it was because of puberty and, oh my gosh. So and, and to me, it's kind of like this culture, culture kind of treats You're people that the they're, yeah, well, the thing is for me, I've thought about this. It's like culture wants to like extend ch- people being children as long as possible. Right. You know, like Especially we have, now. we have this cultural standing of that. Oh, you're you're an adult when you hit eighteen magically, but people have been showing signs of being an adult for years. But they're but society and culture and the school system and all that treats them like children, and they keep telling them that they're children, and they're like, you don't know what you want, you don't know what love is, you don't know how, you don't know how you feel. You're you know you're clueless, but it's like people by then they know how they feel, they're how they want to feel. And when you send these negative messages to them, it's kind of like that confuses them and extends that immaturity even longer. I mean, honestly, like, you know, society should be like, you know, by the time a kid's 10 or 11 before they hit puberty, they ought to be like working on the farm, figuring out how to make money, how to provide for a future bride. So when that does happen, they're ready to go. Like, yeah. you know, when they either have a wet dream or they figure out how to play with themselves and then, you know parents find out or whatever and then it's like okay you're you're spilling your seed so you're having fun with yourself a woman's way better when you have it when you let them do all the work for you or when you ha- when you guys do it 
So you're ready. So and by then you've already had the skill set to provide for somebody and to make a living. And, you know, so you can have kids at, you know, 14 or whatever. But like by then your parent, the parent's job is to raise them up. So then they're, they're ready to, when that happens. And I think a lot of cultures have, have done that because it's about like, you know, when a father has a son, he's like, I'm going to raise him up to be, you know, father material and they raise him to be a man. By the time his desire, his sexual needs come in, so then he's ready to provide for a, to, for a wife and have many children and all that other stuff. So we don't keep like you know giving them like oh it's they're still children they they don't know better and it's like yeah they do they're it's like stop and it's just, my thing with like you know when I work in these public school systems it's like I don't treat like middle schoolers as kids like I I'm like you want to you want to be what you want to know what it's like as an adult okay I'll show you. I will give you what you need to know at 13, 14, whatever it is to understand what it's like to be an adult. Because the better and the earlier you know this, the better it is for you. And that's just the way I look at it. Because to me, I wish I knew that stuff instead of being treated like a child through those years. And like, oh, you don't know better. Like, come, you know, give me a break. That's my rant. I'm sorry. but Yeah, uh, I, I see where you're going with this. Uh, I think one of the problems with the whole insult phenomenon of uh, you guys who can't get any and then come to represent women uh, and sometimes end up like killing rich people. Uh, you, you have like Chris Elliott or Chris Rogers or something like this from uh, California uh, and uh, others. Uh, there was one that shot up like a yoga studio in uh, Florida. Um, I think that this kind of happens because people don't learn how to interact with the other gender um on some level, even uh, uh, another Chris, Chris Evans, I think is his name, the guy who plays Captain America. Yeah. Uh, is uh, He made some comment like, and, and maybe it was not him, maybe it was Henry Cavill playing Superman. I think it was Cavill. He made some comment like, um, I, I'm afraid to even ask a woman out you know, because of me too, and I don't know what she's going to say about me if the date goes badly, and even if I didn't do anything, she could destroy me on an accusation. And this is a man in his mid-30s. This is literally Superman, like the, the Ubermensch of society, the most masculine, well-paid kind of character, right? Yeah. And, 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 and he's having trouble getting some. Like, that's that, that shows a society where the, there's something wrong with the way that men and women are interacting. Like, there's something missing here. And I think, like, these incels in general, it, it happens because people aren't encouraged to grow up they aren't encouraged to learn skills. They're encouraged to go to college or whatever. Everybody has to go to college. There are so many people sitting there in a college classroom who aren't paying any attention, who are just cheating to get through it, and who don't give a shit about this stuff. And and you just sit in the classroom, and a lot of the times I felt like I was like the only person with a brain in the classroom because the teacher would ask this blatantly obvious question, Nobody would answer. It would be just dead silence. And, and then I have to answer or whatever. I have to dominate the classroom or whatever. <laughs> but it's like I, I'm like hesitant to even do that because I feel like you want the other students to on some level be engaged or learn or whatever. Yeah, you don't and want to look like a teacher's a pet thoughts. either. Yeah, but you're like, you yeah. got to look at these kids like, are you that effing stupid? Like, come on. Yeah. And then these are people who just don't have the IQ to go into political science or whatever. They're taking the classes because they had to. And they're told it's a well-rounded education. And uh, and uh, that they have to take it for that reason. 
but they're not getting anything out of it, and they're just wasting government resources when they should be learning how to do some sort of trade. But mm-hmm. instead, they go through this. They don't get any kind of skill out of it or anything. And then uh, they go on unemployment insurance or disability or something. And uh, and they say they have autism or something. Well, on some level, they're like, they've become autistic because the system has made them autistic. Like, it's it's not it's not prepared them to interact with other human beings because they're, they're, they're not teaching you how to, you know, flip burgers or do a cash register or any sort of job skill that would actually earn you a living. It's like teaching you how to become an academic when almost nobody is going to become an academic. You know, exactly. it's like we're relying on these absurd, like, this system that was developed by Plato. Like, I was reading, you know, I had to read The Republic, like, my last semester. Uh, and, uh, and, and and I read it, and I'm like, this is absurd. This is the same system we have now. And this was thousands of years ago. And, and there's stuff in The Republic that is just so insane. His mathematical formulas relating to shapes or whatever that he claims explain all of the universe and there's you know this just hokey stuff in there and and we're still relying on the method this guy created and and when there's the internet and there's all these different things that we haven't really integrated into the school system properly and just the way that the economy has changed due to automation and everything you know it used to be people would go on a farm they had like a basic lifestyle that had existed for thousands of years we have the industrial revolution mm-hmm. and uh and, and then they usually go to factories that's like a replacement communal farm or something where everybody's working together to make a, a car or something well then we have these politicians that allow these jobs to get outsourced to other countries uh, you know luckily we have someone now who's trying to bring the jobs back in the white house and he's keeping plants open in the midwest and everything and that's great and i think we'll probably win more Midwestern states in 2020, like Minnesota, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, like, that's that's a temporary bandit because eventually, uh, I don't know, eventually the, these these things are just going to be automated where nobody even has to be involved with moving the parts around on the assembly line or anything. And, and, and the agriculture is going to be automated to a large extent where, you know, there's all these kinds of farm equipment that can do things automatically. There's big mega corporations like Monsanto that have like corporately trademarked foods and everything where, where they have like a monopoly on a, you know, soybeans or that sort of thing. So uh, there is some question of like, how are people going to learn the basic skills to interact with the economy? You know, how, how, how are they going to learn to, to get an income to support a woman and this sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. And um, and this stuff was even mentioned by this shooter in El Paso, uh, and this guy, it, like obviously, is a horrible person and everything, but I feel like the despair that he had is the despair that millions of Americans have about they feel like their future is slipping away because of the way technology is changing, the way culture is changing, the way the relationship between the genders and races and everything is changing so rapidly. It's never changed like this before. Mm-hmm. And no one knows how it's going to work out. And so, you know, you don't have this sort of, like, basic way that everything has always worked, right? Like, our society has been based around, like, biblical principles, the Constitution. Some, all sort, of, some sort of moral, you know, like, faith or belief or, you know, religion or you know, a moral ground that everyone can kind of agree on as a staple for the backbone of their society, yeah. 
yeah, and that is gone now too, right? For a lot of people, right? Like it, it, it constantly changes. It's never consistent. That's the thing is, people need consistency. Yeah, and, and so you kind of wonder, like, if people, you know, how many people were atheists thirty years ago or something? I think it was probably like five percent, and now it's probably twenty-five percent or something. Like that. I, I I could be wrong on these exact numbers, but I mean, the point is, it's gone up a lot over the years, mm-hmm. and that and there's a lot more people who are Muslims. There are a lot more people who are. Uh, you know, agnostic, and so there's no consensus on what what our morality should be as a society, right? And so nobody feels any bond to any other human being, where somebody can just go out there and then kill a bunch of people because they don't care about other people anymore. They feel like there's some isolated individual in some sort of postmodern economy that they don't know if it's serving them or not, or if it's serving some sort of. Uh, I, I mean. It, it, it just has like a logic of its own. Is your brain fried so. by now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I'm going yeah, with this. You're, but, but, you're uh, just letting uh, it out. We're just letting everything out on this recording. It doesn't like to me. It's just kind of like we we probably just we need to do this once in a while. Like I yes. said this to um when we had Grant the Thief on from uh, Blade Lake and Themes. I was like, look, dude. You got to do like a general discussion podcast where you guys just talk about whatever, and it's just a sewage barrel, and it's just your opinions, and you know it's you know it's shit, but you just got to get it out of you because it's shit. Like you just got to you got to get that shit out of you, man. Like right. you just contain it in a barrel and just call it a podcast episode, and it's just there, whether regardless if anybody listens to it or not. You just got to do it, man. You got to let your mind out because some people are going to be like, look at that, like, hey. I do agree with like how how this smells and you know what I like about it. And others are gonna be like, ah, oh, that's repulsive or whatever. And they can either keep walking away or tweet about it, how they're terrible for having that barrel of crap laying right there. Um, but but yeah, like you gotta you just gotta let stuff out every once in a while. So like this is kind of a good healthy outlet for just us to complain about things, but also just kind of hear us uh, talk and just kind of like, does it reinforce our beliefs or does it just like you know maybe that is kind of stupid. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's to go with the shit metaphor. I, uh, <laughs> my, uh, you know, my body had a lot of problems with digestion because of Crohn's disease, and the shit literally starts seeping out of my organs and like infecting the other organs because I had have many of them removed, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago. So that's kind of what happens if you just keep shit in you, right? Like it has to come out. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's like, unhealthy to keep it in. Yeah. Uh, but the, anyway, uh, I'm going to tie this back now to the debates, uh, because we're kind of gradually going in. I, I didn't think, I thought we were already, I thought this was part of the debates. I mean, it kind of right. is, because we're just like tearing so down just... this cultural system that they're trying to defend that we just know that it's just a barrel of shit. <laughs> so. Right. So, so I'm going to tie this back now to Andrew Yang, uh, cause this guy is, has this platform that's all about automation taking away. Uh, jobs and uh, his his idea is we're going to give everybody a thousand dollars a month uh, to to deal with this this crisis. And how and much of my taxes going to go up to pay for everyone to get a thousand dollars a month? Huh? Okay, you yeah. give me a thousand dollars a month. That's just going to go straight back in the taxes. It's just going to be this regurgitative cycle. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. The whole guy's plan is is confusing. I think he says he's going to pay for it by taxing Amazon. But she says pay zero in taxes. Oh my gosh! <sighs> uh, but I don't think that that would happen. And 
The problem is capital is mobile in the 21st century. They would just move to another country if we specifically tried to tax them. Yeah, so that's stupid. And you're like killing jobs in America because you want to tax them for people just to have money for not doing anything. It's a participation. You get you get money for participating as an American citizen. What bull effing crap is that? Yeah. Um, he, 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 he said this stuff in the first debate where he tried to lay it out, how it was going to happen. Oh. They explained it all in one minute, and it involves like trillions of dollars. And uh, and I don't know how it's even possible for him to do this legally, but he literally gives people a thousand dollars a month in Iowa and New Hampshire to see how they like it, and if they like it, they can vote for him. From my perspective, that's straight up bribing voters. It should be mm-hmm. illegal. But he's a like he's like a I think he's some sort of tech billionaire from the Silicon Valley or something, and. Uh, and he's uh, some sort of, you know, technocrat, uh, I guess. And he thinks that this is, like, a good path to success. You know, it's like people just want money. Like, we're living in a materialistic society where that's what people prize above all else. And so he's, he thinks, well, I'm, I'm just going to give people money and then I get elected. And I don't think it's going to work, but, um, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting strategy. Um. It'll work until the money runs out. Yeah, there is this old Margaret Thatcher saying, socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. Mm-hmm. You can only keep it going for so long, and then you collapse like the Soviet Union did. Mm-hmm. Or Venezuela is doing now. And so that's the thing. We have these people up there that they're all promising all this money. And, uh, and they're doing it because there's like a real issue, I guess, with the way the economy is transforming and people feel insecure, they want money, they want a big big brother to look out for them. Uh, and so they're all promising this stuff. They're all trying to compete with each other, but also trying to not be called socialists because only Bernie explicitly called himself a socialist. And so they, they ask Elizabeth Warren, uh, why do you call yourself a capitalist? Are you trying to signal that you're more uh, willing to work with the system than Bernie Sanders? And then she gave some fucking non-answer about, uh, you know, I'm going to be working for you or something, you know, just some politician crap that doesn't mean anything. Uh, But, uh, yeah, Hillary had this question asked to her as well during the debates uh, in 2016, like, do you call yourself a capitalist? And then she said that um, she did consider herself a capitalist, but... uh, and then Bernie was like, no, I don't believe in this system that is capitalism. And I think that the top 1% are making more than the bottom 99% and all, all this stuff. Oh, God. And then uh, and then Hillary, after the election, when she lost, she had this book. And she had all these reasons and all these things she was blaming. And one of the big things she blamed was Bernie. And she said, well, given the amount of the party that calls itself socialist, I, I couldn't get enough people out to vote for me. And... That, that, that hurt me in the, in the polls when I said I was a capitalist. And so there's all these Democrats up there. Um, almost all of them, other than Bernie and Warren, were attacking socialism. But then they were proposing, like, slightly different socialist policies or something. Like this Delaney guy was going after uh, Warren and saying, uh, you, you, you've got these uh, socialist uh plans like the Green New Deal that you support, but uh, instead I support the Climate Corps, which will spend $5 trillion to 
uh, create carbon sequestration technology and prevent global warming. And that's the better way to handle the situation. And it's like, okay, well, it's five trillion instead of thirty trillion, but that's still more than the entire current budget, and it's still a massive socialist scheme to engineer the weather. And I'm not sure if that's moderate, but they kept calling this guy a moderate. And like even you know Laura Ingram on Fox News, like ran these clips of him, and and she was like, oh well, at least there's one Democrat that hasn't lost her, his mind. And I, I I don't know. It's just like even these guys who are supposedly moderate are existing in a party that's become socialist. And, and so if you're going to vote for a socialist in a socialist party, I think that they're just going to vote for a real socialist like like Sanders or Warren and these kind of half-baked people who don't know where they're going or what their positions are, like Biden. I, I, will, I will give it that, that Fox News has really given a lot of coverage to, what was it, Tulsi Gobert or whatever? Like, yeah, t- uh, Tucker Carlson really likes her. He has her on there all the time, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I like her too, uh, but uh, but she is the same as the others, I guess, in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of Republicans just like her because uh, she's against uh, stupid regime change wars on behalf of like, terrorist groups, like trying to overthrow Assad and put some jihadist group in there instead. Yeah. She's always spoken out against that, and, and so people like Tucker who are against that or are in favor of her, of her for that reason, even though they don't agree with her much else. But I, I, also, she is like suing Google because they tried to suppress her uh, her advertisements uh, right after the debate because she was the most searched candidate during both of the debates that she was in. Mm-hmm. And then Google was trying to like make sure that people could donate to her after searching her name or something. And so she was like, well, this is like a monopoly that's suppressing the political system and trying to shut down my campaign. And so Tucker loved that, and he had her on to talk about that. And uh, how, how these tech companies are interfering with the democracy more than Russia is. Oh, man. Um, I think that was kind of like the core stuff I had to say about the debate. Um, yeah, because I'm like, I got to go to bed soon, man. <laughs> yeah, what time is it? Uh, it's about 10.15. 10, 10, 10.15, okay. We've been recording yeah. for an hour and 35 minutes, man. Yeah, and, and we recorded for about this long last night, too. Huh? So yeah. it's like the three only, hour recording. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to say was that, um, so there's a, a zine coming out called Rebirth the uh, Dilemma, which is like an Evangelion fanzine that I tried to apply for and I did not get in. Um, and I had two topics I really would like to talk about with Evangelion um, that I just kind of think about in my mind. Um, well, one of them is pretty easy. Where like I like to, I wanted to write. Uh, I figured this one might have been more approved. Was the fact that I would like to write about how Evangelion's been on or, or on cable TV in America, which has really been Cartoon Network. And I even wrote like this really nice rough draft. I can even post up the rough draft in this podcast episode for anybody who wants to read it. Um, just to kind of give a background on like how the show was treated on cable network on the Cartoon Network regarding censorship, and this even includes me writing up about like the uh, when it was on Giant Robot Week. Because um, I think that'd be fascinating to know that you know this show has been on cable network and it's been treated um, after the first time it aired on Giant Robot Week. It's actually been treated pretty well on on TV, but like the original series has not been on TV in 13 years. Um, that's one, and the other one I would really would like to write about that I I would have to put a lot of time and effort into, but I think it's important. But it would spit right in the face of feminism and 
all those progressive movements is talking about masculine themes in Evangelion. And it'd be really just me wanting to talk about and write about how the lack of a male role model really shaped Shinji Ikari into the person he was in the show. And just kind of how, like, you know, like, because he didn't have these role models, that's, this is the way, he, the way he is. And even the females there kind of, like, support this pro-feminist ideology in the show. And just kind of like, because, like, you know, I think about, like, the certain, certain scenes of, like, when Shinji Wait, so does show this, masculine... This website claiming that, uh, that Ava is feminist? Is that what the deal is? No, man. Nothing like that. No, this is just me talking. That's um, your claim is that it's feminist. Okay. <laughs> well... There's a lot of Evangelion's an interesting series because there's a lot of different like for a show that's simple, it's very complicated that people have so much to say on it. And yeah. I think that's why it's such a great series because there's so much to say on it. There's so many different ways to look at the show and how people perceive it, and I think that's fantastic. Um so no, like it's it's you know, people are gonna look at it as like, oh, there's all these you know, yaoi lesbian themes into it. Like, you know, fine. Um, and I don't doubt that someone's going to write about that for the zine. It does not surprise me in the slightest, but I'm just like, I don't want to, like, I just don't care. But like, you know, no one really talks about like Shinji's like adolescence and like masculine themes in the show. Um, because my thing is like, you know, I think a really, um, Kaiji, I think is the most like positive male influence in Shinji's life, regardless of him being a sexist sleazeball. He's the most positive male influence to Shinji, even more so than his father, because his father doesn't care about him. His father's a deadbeat dad. He's the and closest thing to a male role model. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really like Kaiji because he, he he is that male role model, that that senpai to Shinji that Shinji really needs, and Shinji like was able to be better in himself in a slow amount of space um, or amount of time in the show. Yeah, even um, though him and Misato are kind of off and on, uh, they are effectively Shinji's surrogate parents because his real parents were such a disaster. Yeah. Um, I mean, his real parents are so distant, even though, like, he's inside his mom when he's in the Ava, and then his dad just kind of, like, doesn't give a shit about him, except when he needs him as just an object. Uh-huh. And I would really like to cover some. I would really like to write something about that and just kind of explore that further and um yeah and like i would but like i think for me like people that like i think people in that zine probably would not have cared or have even been offended if i wrote something like that so for me it's like you know what i gotta do an anime panel about it and whoever shows up shows up and just to kind of like just get this out there just just talk about it this is how i perceive this series and i think it's really important to talk about masculine role models and Shinji and the site and the psychology behind that and why he's the, he is the way he is and how that kind of relates to people that, you know, don't have fathers in their lives and how that affects them. Because a lot of people that are nerds that really like, you know, Evangelion have that I've talked to and known because it Shinji kind of reflects male adolescence to a lot. Like it's not, it's not, it's not like a hundred percent, but like there's parts of Shinji that guys that watch the show can see themselves in Shinji in one aspect or the other. Regardless, yeah. regarding them being a coward, like I want to be, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I, sim- I empathize with Shinji because, you know, here's a person that's like, you know, kind of weak like I am, if not even weaker. I need to not be like him. Or, wow, like this is so much like me. What can I do to change myself? And 
I, I would like to actually tackle something like that because, again, no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to cover that. And I think that's disappointing. And it's disappointing when you got freaking Vice writing articles about how the show is promoting child pornography and it's sexist oh, and all this, all this other nonsense bullshit. And that's just but burns my butt right there is when I read stuff like that. And that's that's the main focus of, of, of like the main rhetoric of Evangelion now is to write something like that to make women are awesome and men are bad. And yeah, in a sense, that's true in the show, but I like to dive into why. And no one wants to cover why, because women are just so great. No, they're not. They're even, they, in some ways, they're, in most ways, they're even way worse than the men. So everyone's effed up in that show, and that's the beauty of it, too. But you can't you can't say that one side of it is great and totally like neglect the other side when that side you're promoting is just as worse worse as the side you're you're saying is bad. So that's just that just kind of grates me to know that, and I, I want to talk about that. But I don't know. Maybe that's something I could just bring up to Aaron Clark. I'm like, hey, you want to come on and just talk about something like this and just see where it goes. Like you're the you're the known Ava expert. Have you ever thought about some stuff like that? Have you ever you know kind of like, you know who who would want to listen to something like that? Like I would like to at least get it out there, and if people agree with it, fine. And if they don't, fine. You know, it's just like kind of like my perspective. That's that's for me. That's like something I want to just explain and to just have that that conversation, and you know, just to see like what. Here, here is my belief on that, and there is some. I can put some bad, you know, biblical truth behind that too, because the show is Christian based or has some thematics behind, it, even though it's mostly Buddhism or whatever. Um, and just kind of see where it goes. Like, yeah, this is like a perspective that I have on the show. What do you guys think? So that's just kind of and like when I got that, like, and then you know, for a Zine, it had like such restricted. You know, they're like. I didn't even know about a restriction they were looking for. Like, oh, we only got like eight writer spots and 25 artist spots. And I'm like, you didn't mention that in the application. You're just like, oh, we'll take anybody. And I'm like, well, it sounds like anybody's going to get it. And like, oh, we have to sift through it. I'm like, well, how big of a number are you looking for? And then it's like, oh, we need eight writers. I'm like, oh, F this. And I know exactly what they're looking for because it sounds like it's a bunch of 20-something millennials. So whatever. Um, Yeah, it probably is going to be like a critical Marxist view of the, uh, it's an autistic crap show, politically incorrect aspects of it or whatever. Like <laughs> this box article, uh, they, they were going after it because, uh, it objectifies women by a modern. That, standards. that vice article was posted on the people who, who run the zine that I mentioned. And they're like, yeah, this is so problematic and so troubling. And I'm like, nobody really talked about that when the show came out 25 years ago. If anything, it's more of a reflection of like otaku culture when you look at it that way. But the show has a whole lot more going for it than just that. But that's what people want to focus on because that's the hot talk, uh, talking point these days. Because of yeah. Me Too and, and feminism and all that other crap. So We're supposed to pretend now that adolescents are these uh, like sexless autists or something to kind of and as if that's not even going to further cause more insult kind of stuff yeah like like uh, th- there's this controversy involving the character uh lewis sally uh, from sonic the hedgehog uh this uh writer uh ken penders that used to work on the comic mm-hmm. he had uh originally planned for uh there to be an issue where she loses her virginity to a skunk called jeffrey st john 
Oh, I remember and, this conversation. Uh, and this was on, uh, he mentioned on Twitter randomly for reasons. I don't know wh- why he had to bring it up. I think it was a mistake to bring it up. But uh, he got a huge amount of flack for it. And people are going after him. And they're trying to figure out what age were these fictional characters because they've never explicitly stated in the comics. And they're trying to figure out, like, well, is this a chipmunk character or a squirrel, whatever the hell Sally's supposed to be, under the age of uh, 15? I'm like, what is the age of consent in not whole kingdom? It's like, okay, well, I mean, it is, like, drawn with breasts or whatever, so you can assume it's supposed to be, like, of age, right, in the, in the comic. But, you know, these people were just completely chipping out about this. And there was one guy who was saying, like, any depiction of... Uh, sexual relationship between people under 18 uh, should be illegal and anyone who owns any comics that imply that minors are having sex should be in jail and it like oh the, there were gosh. these just overzealous lunatics on there because they thought like well the PC position is to be against so called pedophilia and, the, the, and they're claiming that this hypothetical comic book storyline involving like teenage animals fucking is supposed to be like some sort of pedo that you would have to arrest people for owning. It's like a child's comic book that's code approved, where it would have been done very tastefully, not explicitly stated or anything. And it wasn't even in the comic; they didn't even approve it. But like, like this is the kind of like sexual ideal that they have is that like some you can never depict this kind of stuff. Well, you know what about like the grassy on Nickelodeon or whatever? Like, how, how many shows have there been like this that are about like teenagers having sex that? have been produced over the years that are not illegal or whatever or, or incur, you know, whatever they think is the deal with it. It's like political correctness is even more puritanical than when, you know, original Puritans in some ways. Because <laughs> at least the Puritans were sort of living in reality and that they did have some yeah. sort of moral code they were based on. They were not just going with the flow with this, like, nonsense. <laughs> oh, Guys, go out to the skating rink and have fun and make out with, you know, know each, get to know chicks and chicks get to know dudes and try to make out or get numbers or something. Like, thank God, have fun. Whatever happened to that? Yeah, I think yeah. fun is, is, is not allowed to do. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think I think I'm done. Yeah. I think we're out. And we're at, yeah, we're at an hour 47 on just this segment of closing remarks. Yeah. Holy you crap. us ranting about various topics. Yeah. This this is what happens when we don't record for about a month and a half or two months. <laughs> we just hold it. We, well, even the last recording was like, yeah, you got anything to talk about? No, not really. No, not really. I can't think of anything. And then we just hold everything in for two months. And we're like, mother effer, I got stuff to say today, you know? <laughs> Yeah, this was originally going to be like just just the closing remarks thing, and then I I thought of like as we were recording, like when you were getting uh, food, uh, like oh that's right, I wanted to record about Hunter Hunter. Yeah, we was we going to talk about that. So yeah, so at least we have some anime connection, and it's not just us <laughs> ranting, but there is that too. Yeah. All right, I will go ahead and end this. I think it's time to end it. Thank you, listeners, who have made it this long and are either fuming at our opinions or have agreed to our opinions. Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, We just want to thank you. Um, And tune in next time. 
for whatever we might be talking about. So whatever the next recording might be, it should be a review of something. So take it easy, guys. Have a wonderful day. Later. Later. Ah!